What's good, and welcome to episode 11 of the Helmets, Hoops, and Homies podcast. I'm Matthew Garcia, here with my co-host and homie, the Hoops guru, Patrick Moore. What's good, P. Moore? Yo, homie. Hanging out, enjoying uh, enjoying life. How are you doing? I'm good, my guy. How are, uh, what's going on? Not much. Just uh, constantly checking ESPN to see if any more NBA trades are happening. Uh, yeah, so just uh, monitoring the trade market. Um, but yeah, uh, you ready to, uh, pop some tops and, uh, and, and get the show going. Yeah. Let's say the word. So what All are right. we, what are you, uh, what are you, uh, sipping on for this episode? So in a rare, uh, in a rare change of heart, I am, I'm not drinking a brew dog today. No, no beer. I've got a, uh, I got a Sprecher ginger ale. You kindly sent these to Kirsten for Christmas. I steal one every once in a while and drink it. Um, <laughs> As we'll get to in our first segment, I went to a uh, hoops game last night, and the guru had well, you know, one too many beers, had a, a case that wouldn't last the night. So today I'm making it a bit easy, but yeah, doing that. What are you, what are you rocking today? Uh, and because this is a special show, and we'll get into that when we do that segment. This is a very special show, the first of many, hopefully, annual shows. Um, I'm gonna have a. I'm drinking a mandarin orange, fizz mm. or pop soda whatever you want to call it, but a Mandarin Orange Fizz, which, uh, you know, could have some significance with, uh, when we're talking about pigskin. So we'll see, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's what, I'm, like that's what I got. I went, went out and bought a case for the special occasion. So there you go. First one. Champagne, the champagne of fizzes. Nice. It is. Absolutely. All right. All right. Ready to pop these off? All right. Let's get it popping. Mine was a bottle pop, so not as, uh, not yeah. as uh, crisp as it usually is. Well, anyway, yeah, let's let's get the star show to, uh, show started with a, a, a the first uh, the first uh, premiere of of a new segment that we're doing called uh, Guru at the Game. So, um, show might have caught on that I am a lifelong New York Knicks fan, but I'm also a very big Denver Nuggets fan. I live in Denver, um, and so they're kind of my 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 current city team while the Knicks are more of like my hometown team. So uh, uh, for Christmas this year, my my girlfriend got us uh, really good tickets to the Knicks-Nuggets game in Denver. Um, so we were in like the first level center court um, looking really good. So I got to go to go see my childhood favorite team play my kind of adopted team. And so we had been talking about this for a while, thinking like, uh, and I was asking, I was like, who should I root for? Like, what should I wear? Because I have, like, I have my Nuggets like gear, and then I have my, like, New York gear and apparel. And I was like, oh, what should I wear? And I was going back and forth. And I was – everyone – and you kept asking. You're like, have you decided which one you're going to go with? Because I was like, well, it's, the Nuggets are the home team, so I should go for the Nuggets, you know. Um, but, you know, then, then I was like, well, the Knicks are, like, my hometown team. And then, like – for a little bit, I was going to be like, well, I'm going to like put off the decision and wait to see how both teams are doing and like who needs the win more. And uh, this t- last night, I can assure you the Knicks needed the win more. Um, so, you know, they, they're they're on like a big losing streak. So I, so I wore my Knicks stuff. I ended up wearing my Knicks stuff. There are actually a lot of fans uh, in Ball Arena in Denver, a lot of Knicks fans there. Um, but... 
as soon as the game started, by halftime, it was clear that there was one good team on the floor, and it was not the Knicks. <laughs> um, they got they got absolutely hammered by the Nuggets. Um, they gave up like eighty points in the first half, and and they actually had a good. They had like finally had a good offensive half. They put up sixty points. Like the Knicks failed to crack fifty more more times than not, but they gave up. But they gave up eighty. Um, so yeah, they ended up like at a couple times, like cutting it to like 15 or 12 or almost even 10, but really they were never even close. And then I just destroyed them. Jokic had a great night on like in less than 30 minutes. Aaron Gordon had a really good night. Uh, Will Barton had a good night. Fuck. Um, uh, excuse me. Bones Highland who Faku actually didn't get much playing time. Bones Highland got most of the backup guard time. He had a great game. He actually broke Kemba Walker's ankles at one point, which, to be honest, might have already been broken coming into the game. But uh, he he broke his ankles, and he like he like no like Kemba was like sitting on the ground, and Bones was just sitting there, and he like he like swishes the three, and then he just like points at Kemba like he's saying like old man or something like that. But yeah, it was it, dude. It was a really it was a sad night, honestly, to me because like. You know, I we've talked about it. I'm a I'm like a lifelong Kemba Walker fan. Like I'm from Connecticut. A bunch of my friends went to UConn um and were there when Kemba won the the title. Um he's a guy from the Bronx. I went to my 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 family's from the Bronx. My dad more my dad grew up in the Bronx. I was I didn't grow up there. Um, but so he's from the Bronx. It's like a whole he's a New York New York City kid, so it's such a great story when they got him. But you know, I th- I don't think I realized until I saw him live like how how bad he looks. I mean, I, I don't know if it's injuries or if it's just getting older, but I was telling you he missed like two point blank layups. Um and just just yeah, just did not did not like couldn't couldn't shake defenders off of him was, was terrible on defense. So it, it was kind of sad to see that. But on the other hand, I saw one of the the few really solid uh, Julius Randle games. So yeah, it was, it was, it was all good. Kirsten and I didn't get on the Megatron. We did see the most absurd mascot in the entire league. Uh, my, I was hoping, I was hoping you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't, but before we get to that right quick, um, uh, your partner had the. Uh, she went all the way with the with the uh, customization for the game. Tell him what she did. Oh yeah, so that she, was dope. That was dope. Yeah, Kirsten got her like nails done in the. Um, she goes to this really great, like uh, really cool nail artist who does like really intricate designs on her nails. Like they look really cool, and she'll just give her an idea. She'll be like, "I want, you know, I want to do like." kind of like Christmas colors or like Rocky mountain sunset or whatever. And, and she'll do these really cool designs. And so she did, um, she went with her with like the nugget city edition Jersey. And she was like, I want my nails to look like that. And so it like, she has like all the designs of the nugget city Jersey, like on her hands. And so she was, she was wearing all her nugget stuff and rooting for the nuggets and like laughing at me. Cause I was just like sitting there rooting for the Knicks down by 30 points. <laughs> but yeah, so she did that. She had, she had a, she had her nails done. She was wearing her Nuggets gear, and I was in my Knicks gear, like a like a sad uh, New Yorker. So, yeah. <laughs> New York, New York, stand up. <laughs> yeah, New York, stand up. Um, but yeah, the the Nuggets have this mascot that's just like a freaking cat wearing basketball warm ups who has a lightning bolt for a tail. 
<laughs> and like I guess his name's like I think his name's Rocky, and he's supposed to be like, or yeah, he's supposed to be like a mountain lion because like we're in the Rockies and we have mountain lions. But like he doesn't look like he just looks like a cat. He looks like uh what did you say? He looks like um Oh man, this is the thing. When we do our mascot episode, we'll probably do like top five favorite and top five yeah, worst in each league. <laughs> um but uh but yeah, you, I would said he looks to me he looks like uh oh, he's yellow. He's got the pointy ears like you said. But to me he looks like Pink Panther or Snagglepuss. Sa- yeah, Pink from Panther, the old yeah. like uh Hanna-Barbera cartoons that we grew yeah. up watching on Cartoon Network. He looks like that to me, but he's yellow. And then when I told you that, I texted you that, and you're like, yeah, but he has a lightning bolt tail. <laughs> yeah. Like the tail, like the thing is like you couldn't, you can't get over it. I, I don't really understand it either, but that's the funniest thing is you're like, you're like, yeah, but he's got a lightning bolt tail. You're like, you're like, WTF is up with the tail. <laughs> yeah. What is up with the tail? Yeah. We're, I don't get what so, the lightning had to do with, with the Rocky Mountains or, or nuggets of gold. But. Yeah. We're, we're the Denver nuggets. So everything is kind of like mining or like, or like related, right? Like we are the original mascot for the Denver nuggets was this guy, Maxie, the miner who looks like, uh, he looks like, um, the guy from who did you say? He looks, he looks like, like he from... looks like Yukon Cornelius. Yeah. From the, Yukon uh, Cornelius. Rudolph yeah. the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas special, the uh, stop motion one. Which he looks pretty dope. Like I would, uh, it makes a lot more sense. Like the baseball team, the Colorado Rockies have maybe probably the best mascot in baseball with Dinger. Yeah, he's dope. The purple Digger. Triceratops dinosaur. Yeah. That's dope. We love him. We saw him live. Yeah, he's we got awesome. To li- we got to live that. We got to live that. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the what's his name? Rocky. Rocky, the Rocky, lightning bolt yeah. tail cat. Yeah. Uh, I think he's. I, I don't know. I'm not really a fan. Uh, your partner's not a fan. She doesn't. She said that he's. What'd you say? He's too hammy, which I get. Yeah, it. she said he's too hammy. And then, um, um, you obviously you hate him. So I just think yeah. it's hilarious. It's just one of it's one of your. Uh, it's one of the funniest things you've ever told me. It's up there with uh, uh, your uh, your Philly hates and all your other stuff. It's just, it's hilarious. I was I was dying when you were texting me that yesterday about you're like you just like you're like what like what the f is up with the lightning bolt tail? I just don't get it. Like why does he have a tail? <laughs> Yeah, it has nothing to do with rocks or mining or gold or no. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. But hey, but yeah, man. Any other uh, closing thoughts on uh, on the on the game before we move on to uh, our next segment? No, I would just say like you know, I I, I I went into it and I was behind another Knicks fan in line. He and they go, oh, good, yeah, Knicks, and I'm like, yeah, like, and they're like, yeah, and he kind of was just like. I just hope they don't embarrass us tonight. And I go, I know. I just want them to keep it competitive. And alas, they did not keep it competitive. They did it. They did kind of embarrass us. But I've been rooting for the Knicks for my whole life. I'm kind of used to this. Like they, they're constantly embarrassing us. So um, you know, uh, it was good. I had we I had a Knicks fan behind me, and we were kind of commiserating, like you know just like every they, they made just so many bad plays and it was just like every time it's like what are they doing there like there were like three straight <laughs> possessions where Jokic was posting up evan fournier or and and it was like why is fournier guarding you know, like what is going on like why are they switching that and it was just like we were we were both just commiserating about how like bad they were playing but you know, overall it was really fun it was great to get to the game we were there from start to finish. Uh, the seats were great. Best seats I've ever sat in for a, a live basketball game. Like center court, you could actually see how big everyone was. Um, so it was a great time. I love going to live NBA games. 
Um, I drank too many brew dogs uh, and was not feeling all that great uh, this morning because of it, uh, because they just like made me feel bloated and stuff. But and it's worth and it though, right? Thus the ginger ale that I'm drinking. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> worth it. Always worth it. The um, um, it's my yeah. champagne of choice, ginger ale, as we know. Yeah. I had that last that last week. Um, a few questions before I forget, just to, uh -huh. for the listeners who maybe haven't made it out to to uh, to me, it's all. It, I remember growing up when we were growing up. It was the Pepsi Center, and mm -hmm. I still want to say the Pepsi Center, even though it's Ball Arena. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so. So for the listeners who haven't been to Ball Arena or haven't even been to Denver before, obviously we spent time there. You live there. I never got a chance to go to the game. I'll change that eventually. But uh, would you was it as a great arena to go to? Would you recommend that people you know make the trip to, out to there? And also uh, a couple funny ones. Uh, did you see? uh your our guy spike at the game was he there <laughs> and did you get did you hear uh uh coach tibbs do uh OB? <laughs> okay so so first question uh is it a arena that's worth going to i would say yes um it's really close to downtown kind of like the you know united center madison square garden uh curse and i live like really close to downtown so we actually walk down there we stopped for food and we just it was a really nice day in denver um and so we just walked um the arena itself is like pretty average i would say it's not like being in some of the great arenas like united center or madison square garden i've been to games at both of those places earlier this season so i'm kind of comparing it to those the stadium itself is fine there's nothing like mind-blowing about it but you know like most basketball stadiums you can kind of get pretty good views from everywhere one thing I do like about the Denver Nuggets is like our crowd, we get loud in the playoffs, but during the year, it's very kind of relaxed. Like if you go to like a Philly game or New York game or, or you know, anywhere with like really passionate fan groups, you know, sometimes you just get sick of like people swearing and people like people like getting super mad or yelling at the refs. I feel like the Denver crowd is just mostly just like pretty nice pretty pleasant like most people you know we root and we do all that stuff but it's not as intense to go to and so if you're like a casual fan and you just want to have a good time like i pick people there who aren't like big fans of basketball and they're always like that was really fun and i'm like yeah it's a good time um i've been there for a playoff game i was actually there for a double overtime win against portland last year in the first round and like it it gets it gets it's much more intense in a playoff atmosphere for sure because like people really care um but yeah it, it's it's a pretty fun place to go to and it's pretty close to downtown if you're visiting denver and staying down there so i'd say it's i'd say that's good and then um i didn't see i didn't see spike uh i guess he didn't uh, come out to to denver uh for this one um so you know, I saw him when I was in at MSG earlier this year. I saw him, and there were a couple other celebrities, um, but no spike sighting this time. I would have, I would have seen him uh, right away. Um, and final question: uh, Did I hear Tibbs? No, I was. We were looking at Tibbs, and we were like taking pictures of him and stuff, but we couldn't hear him. Like he was too far away to actually like hear his his voice. So like sometimes you know the mics will pick him up, but I we I couldn't get him. But you could. What Kirsten noticed, she's like, wow, what a spaz, because it was like a, a half-court possession, and Tibbs is just standing there with his hands at his side, and his like right hand is just like shaking, <laughs> and he's just like shaking his right hand, and you could tell he's like screaming at someone, <laughs> it was so funny. 
So yeah, couldn't hear him, but you could like see how like tense and like angry he was the whole time. <laughs> so usual, usual uh, coach tips. Huh? Exactly. Um, you know, you you call him Penguin. Uh, yeah, my, my mom started that one. The yeah. penguin. Yeah. Yeah, you call the him penguin. penguin. Yeah. My girlfriend calls him Gru, like Gru from uh the the Minions movies, because he he does he does look like that. So she's yeah. always like, Where's Gru? <laughs> she's she sent me him. she sent me a text. So in the group text that all three of us were in, she sent me a picture of, of uh Coach Tibbs. Yeah, and she said Gru it said Gru in action. <laughs> it said Gru, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was good, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you guys had a great time. Um, it's always dope to go to a live event, sporting event, whatever your sport of choice is. Yeah. Uh, if you have the opportunity, if you live near one uh, professional team, I mean, even college games are fun too to go to. Yeah. Uh, check them out. They're a lot of fun, uh, especially if you're, especially if you're uh, maybe more of a casual fan. I'd say it's a really fun experience because you can just go and enjoy. It's all about the atmosphere, right? It's kind of like going yeah. to the movies, mm-hmm. where like you could watch it at home, you know, with a big screen TV. But going to the movies is more about the experience than like the movie itself. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. Similarly, like overpriced, but it is really fun. <laughs> and like, I don't know, they do a good job with all the like entertainment, you know, like we watched like a kid's basketball game at halftime that I was like, you know, I'm the, I'm the hoops guru. So I was like invested and I was like, oh, this kid can play. You're scouting. <laughs> yeah, you're scouting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was scouting. I was like, he'll be on the nuggets in 20 years. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it, it's just a really fun time. Me and you have talked about, there are a couple we want to go to a couple stadiums together. We we've mentioned Memphis. I definitely want to come out. I still haven't visited you in uh Norman yet. So I definitely want to come out to Oklahoma and try to catch a Thunder game. Oh, dude, at some we will point. definitely we will definitely go to a Thunder game for sure. Yeah. I really want no to go doubt. to one. That I, be... I actually haven't been to one because when I moved here fairly soon afterwards, like the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm, and obviously yeah. obviously last year there wasn't really any fans at all. Mm. The Thunder didn't make the playoffs. Um, but yeah, this year I'm I'm gonna go to one this year for yeah. sure. At some point, I'm gonna try my absolute best to make sure I go to a game uh, yeah. because I want to see. You know, it's my team, man. I gotta see. You know, SGA and hopefully SGA. I want to wait until yeah. SGA comes back. I want to see him and you know, Koala and all the guys. You know, do what they do. But yeah, yeah, man, it's okay. great. I'm glad you has it. You guys had a good time. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, that's a uh, new segment, uh, Guru at the game. Yeah, we'll we'll get some more of those in, like, or or if you go to the, if you go to uh if you go to a game, we'll we'll we can do it. Um, I'm sure I'll go to some more Nuggets games this year. So, uh, this time actually rooting for them. So yeah, that was good. But yeah, um, keeping on the topic of basketball, let's let's roll right into our next segment. We're gonna be sh- uh, shooting some hoops. Um, so we've been talking about the All Star Game really like the last couple weeks. We guessed our starters, and we talked about kind of the fan returns for the starters. Um, the full lineup is now finally um, has been released. Um, and so we kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about the all-star rosters, kind of how our picks compared to the actual teams, um, you know, any any big surprises there. Um, I definitely have one or two in mind. Uh, and And – I, I do want to hear who you feel like were the biggest snubs too. Like who who didn't make the All Star game that you really feel like should have. Um, so yeah, we can dive into that. But maybe I'll just start off by reading through the rosters, um, the full rosters, just so so listeners know. So um, it is you know broken up into East uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference players. 
they'll draft tomorrow. Um, so the captains of each team will do the draft and the captain of the East is Kevin Durant. The captain of the West is LeBron James. Um, and they basically have to, they have to draft their starters first. Um, and they have to, then, then they can draft out of the, of the, the reserves. Um, so it's not like going to be East versus West, the game, uh, East and West decides who makes it, but when they actually play the game, it'll be guys from both conferences on both teams. So it's very confusing. We've talked about this. Like the, the I do like the way they do it, but it can be hard for people to follow. Um, but yeah, let's start with the Eastern Conference. So Kevin Durant's team. So funny enough, Kevin Durant was captain, number one vote getter in the East. He's not going to be playing. Um, and so when someone isn't playing in the All-Star game because of injury or what, what, whatever, basically adam silver the commissioner gets to pick their replacement and so for this one he had to pick a replacement starter for kevin durant um so he picked jason tatum to fill in uh, one of the front court spots um for 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 kd um and then the other starters are going to be Giannis. um it's damar uh derozan uh it's joel Embiid. And it's Trey Young. So starters are Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, and Giannis Antetokounmpo in the East. Now the reserves originally were Jimmy Butler, uh, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, and my guy, Freddie Van Vliet. Um, but because um, – you know, they had to replace uh, KD. That means uh, one more reserve was added. And so uh, LaMelo Ball was added to the team, which I think you had him on your team. I had him as my first guy out on my roster. But ultimately, I'm very happy he made it. Um, he's going to be great in an all-star game. So, um, yeah, let's start with the East, homie. Any any thoughts specifically about who made the team, uh, you know, how, how well your picks – you know, held up, um, all, all of that. Any, any big snubs from the East that you think should have been on the team that weren't? Yeah. Um, I think that I'm, I'm counting up how many who like, so you went through your team, right? Like who you, who you had. So, uh, I had, I had, uh, Freddie double V I had DeRozan, Durant, Yanis, Embiid, Trey, uh, young mice, Trey, Ice tray, whatever you want to call him, right? Um, Lamelo, Bacon Tatum, Miles Bridges, Jimmy G Buckets, Yo Homie. What does it G stand for? Gets. G stands for Gets. And I had uh, Pascal Siakam and Zach Levine also on my team. So I believe that's twelve. Yeah, so you 12. got that's 12. yeah. So um, you got, you I got guess most of them right. Yeah, you got yeah. A lot I'd of say those. like uh, if I'm counting up how many I got right, and this is just all for for fun. See, I got uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I got ten out of twelve right, which I'm actually pretty impressed with because I went more with eye uh, test guys and also I mean numbers obviously play a part in it, but I went with guys who I think that were the most deserving to me numbers included, but also just what are they doing for their teams? You know what I mean? Things like that. Like, are they having a major impact on winning or are they having just a, you know, positive culture guy, like the team turned it around or whatever. Right. So like, that's what I went with. But uh, to me, the biggest snub was uh, 
Well, I think Freddie Double V should uh, should be starting for me. If you think about Toronto, Toronto's like they've come on a lot lately too. They've looked really good. I mean, uh, I know like it's like we said before, you're a big Nick Nurse guy, and he's been doing he's been he's been coaching very well. The team's been playing great, right? Uh, that's why I had I had Freddie Double V and I had uh, Pascal Siakam both on my All Star team, and I think you could say it's warranted to an extent, right? Especially Freddie, but. Uh, even Siakam's had a great year so far. He missed a little bit of time, but yeah, really, um, his best, his best. This is the best he's ever looked. Uh, yeah, in my opinion, like I, I get, I get having Young start because obviously he's much more flashy. He's more well known, especially because of what happened in the playoffs last year. And that's not, that's no knock on him. He's having a good year. He is. I just think that Atlanta's pretty disappointing in terms of how they've played so far, and not even pretty disappointing. I'd say a lot of people were very high on them. I wasn't as much. I, to me, it felt more fluke than real. And I'm not saying they're not a good team because they have a lot of – they have good players, they do. But I just think them being in the conference finals, it was a little premature. You feel me? That, so I didn't really yeah, feel like totally. they were – They should. there was no way they should have been in the conference finals if Philly would have done what they are supposed to do. You know what I mean? They kind of fell apart. But, I mean, hey, props to Atlanta. They took care of business, right? You can only play who you play and do the best you can do. So they overachieved, I think, but – I still didn't have them as low as they are right now. They're like in the playing tournament, I want to say right now. And yeah. I didn't I didn't see that. I had them maybe I had them like in the five, five, six range, maybe I want to say. So they've been disappointing. So I thought Freddie V with Toronto, which had basically no expectations, right? There wasn't really any sort of expectations on Toronto, and they've been playing fairly well. And I think they're mm-hmm. uh I mean there's no such thing as a lock, but I, I feel fairly confident saying that they'll make at least the play in and they'll be yeah. competitive in the play in, even if they're in the play in. So I thought he should have got the start. But um biggest one to me was uh obviously LaMelo got added. So I'm like, okay, good. Because that would have been the biggest one to me if LaMelo didn't make the yeah. team. Because I think totally. he's just been phenomenal. And I'll talk about another guy who was in that same draft class, I think was another one. But in the East, uh, LaMelo, but he made it. So I was happy to see it for him. Well-deserving. Uh, it was Miles Bridges for me. Yeah. Or as I, totally. recently, I recently came up with, uh, was it a couple days ago? Uh, frequent flyer miles. Um, <laughs> yeah, frequent yeah. flyer miles. <laughs> uh, he's been having a phenomenal year. He had a tough shooting night tonight against the Bulls. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's just kind of catapulted to me. His rise and his the way he's been balling out has, I think, really been a big part of why the Hornies are, are, are you know, ascending. I mean, they're the ninth seed, so people can say, like, well, how much are they ascending? There's only 15 teams. But if you think about this team – you know they made the play in last year. They got they got knocked out by Indiana. They looked kind of sloppy. You know what I mean? Bridges wasn't at where he's at right now. Obviously Lamelo was a rookie. He's coming off that hand injury. He broke his wrist, I want to believe. Yeah, he broke mm-hmm. his wrist. He was out for some time, so he was probably kind of rusty. They were young, learning how to play together, right? But this year, there's all kind of clicking. You know, with the additions they made in free agency and things like that. Uh, I think they've. They've been doing good. I think I don't think they'll end up in the nine. I think they'll be closer in that seven range, if maybe even a little bit higher. We'll see. The defense, like you said, is still your major concern, and I feel you on that. But I just think that, to me, Bridges is, is a, a snub for me in terms of mm-hmm. who who made the team. And if you say, okay, he's a snub, who would you take off? I don't know, man. I just feel like I, ha- I had Butler on my team, too, and Bridges. So I'm trying to think who was – who is somebody who made it that I don't think, you know, I think that Bridges could take their spots. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not like, and this is no, this is not throwing any sort of shade at anybody, but um, 
to me, the one that's well, actually I had uh, Darius Garland was he made it. I'm happy for him. Uh, Chris Middleton made it, who I didn't have on my list. But the guy who, the guy to me who I think is the one that doesn't deserve it, and the numbers are very very deceiving. And we talked about this is uh, Earthworm Jim, uh, Jim Harden. I yeah. think the numbers are very deceiving. Uh, every analyst I've I've seen on TV, we're talking about you know, and I'm not just talking about the, you know the the morning shows who you know like to talk about the talk about. I'm talking about like even guys who are like deep in the hoops analytics, you know the Zach Lowe's and everybody. He has so many people on his show from all you know all over the country. We're talking about like hoops analysts. Everybody I've heard said that Harden has looked terrible. He's looked bad. He's looked like he's not really in it. He's having a really bad year. And like I said, the numbers. They look great. He's almost averaging a triple double. But if you look at just if you if you watch any of the Nets games or if you just look at, he looks like he's kind of sleepwalking out there to me a little bit. He's definitely struggling. I don't think. I mean, I can only speculate. I don't know, but uh, we've heard rumblings of maybe a trade. We'll see. But I, to me, I just feel like he's not he's not bought in. I feel like he's kind of fed up with. He's not really bought into the the, the culture, the chemistry, or what's going on. Obviously, Slim Reaper is hurt. And we all know uh, the other uh, situation going on with Brooklyn, right? So I feel like he's kind of like, man, this is not what I signed up for. Like, I, I forced my way out of Houston, made me look like a terrible person, even though I was just trying to win, you know? <laughs> hey, it is what it is, right? It's the narrative, the media narrative. But he's just like, yo, I'm just trying to win. I just want to win a title. And I, I can't hate on him for that. You know what I mean? I think that yeah. he could have he went about it a better way. Like, I think he could have went about it like, you know, yo, I'm in the top, I'm in top shape. I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can, but I don't want to be here. But while I'm here... I'm going to give you everything I got because that's just kind of guy I am. So I think he could have went about it a better way. But I had no problem with him wanting to leave. You know what I mean? This is what it is. You got to win. You only have so many years to win a title, right? In hoops, you get a little bit more than you would in pigskin. But even still, you know what I mean? For him to be at his elite level, he only has so many years left. So I just feel like there's no problem with that. But to me, he just doesn't look like he's bought in. Like, like you know, obviously, Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets, is talking about, like, yo, like, he's going to sign back. You know, everything's going to be okay. He wants, he's bought in for the future. I don't buy it, man. I really don't. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really, like, if this is one of our segments, like, this is a, this is a clunk. It's not a dunk for me. I don't really see, I don't see him signing back unless, you know, the whole Kyrie Irving situation and they get the roster kind of situated. But I mean, that's the one to me, like, no shade at Jim Harden. He's obviously won an MVP. He's a great player. He's going to probably make the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, I would say. I don't see why he wouldn't be, just with all the achievements he's had. But um, he's the guy I would have left off. And like I said, people are going to be like, oh, he had great numbers. I'm like, yeah, but to me, he's not having an all-star year. And the Nets are really, really struggling too, man. The fact that they're, mm-hmm. they're in the play-in tournament right now is insane. You know what I mean? They're in the play-in, right? They're like in a nine spot or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. that's insane for that They team fell out of the top six. In the yeah. play-in tournament. That's crazy, bro. There's no way. So, yeah, that's, that's my biggest uh, – that's the one where I, w- I would swap him – and it's a front court swap, so it works, right? I mean, I guess who knows how they do this? Like, because to me, Harden is like a three, two or a three. But I mean, I don't know if they got. I can't remember if they have him in the backcourt or not. But even still, I would put I would put uh, frequent flyer miles ahead of him. That's the one to me that really stood out. There's a lot of guys deserving that didn't make it, which is unfortunate. But that's the one that stood out to me. But uh, what about you, homie? Who was uh, who was a, a a snub or two that you thought uh, should have made it? Yeah, so for me, 
you know, the like you, I had Freddie Van Vliet in the other starting guard spot, but I, I don't consider Trey Young getting that starting spot a, a bad snub. Like Trey Young is having a really good year. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say that. I really like my backup front court. I just got all wrong. So I had for the three front court spots, I had DeMontis Sabonis, Jared Allen, and Miles Bridges. And none of them made it. Um, so, you know, I, I get the argument. So there are some big names who I didn't have on there. I didn't have Jason Tatum as an all-star, which in hindsight probably was kind of wild. But at the time, Boston was really struggling. He did not look like the same Jason Jason Tatum I had watched in previous years. So I also didn't have Jimmy Butler just because he had he had missed 18 games and Miami went 12 and six without him. So I was like, you know, let's let's get some new names in there. Um, I didn't have Chris Middleton. I I quite frankly, to to me, and and here's where my like biggest snub is going to come in. But you know, my biggest snub I would say is is Drew Holiday. Um, in my opinion, he's having a better season than Chris Middleton is. Um, he's shooting close to like 50% overall, 40% on threes, putting up, you know, his customary 18 to 20 a game, about seven assists a game, playing great defense as usual. He just he to me has just been better. And and I think he he's kind of, in my opinion, he's the Bucks' second best player. But Chris Middleton is obviously having a good year, 25 and five. He's a great, great scorer. He's got the pedigree. He, yeah, you know, but yeah, I, I don't agree with Harden being on here. He's just, he has not looked right. And he is clearly not trying as hard as he could. He clearly did not come into camp in shape. Um, he has been a distraction for that team that does not need any more distractions than it already has. And I was talking to you about this before the game. You know, the whole thing about Brooklyn was like, oh, if one of these guys goes down or needs to sit or rest, they'll be fine because they have two other all-stars. That's that hasn't been the case. The what's been the case is when Kevin Durant plays, they're awesome. And when he doesn't, they're not. So to me, like Harden is in a different stratosphere than Durant right now in terms of who's more important to that team, which for how much he touches the ball, how much he brings the ball up. He does absolutely nothing when he doesn't have the ball. So he doesn't move off ball. He does nothing. He just stands there and he doesn't play any defense. Like he, he again, like last year he was playing some defense, you know, um, this year he just looks completely uninterested in doing that. So, you know, I wouldn't have had him on either. Um, so yeah, I would say my biggest snubs, you already mentioned Miles Bridges. He he's up there. Um, but yeah, Drew Holiday for me is someone who really should have been in, um, who, who didn't make it. Um, so yeah, those, those would be mine. So I guess I get, I guessed, uh, let me see, six, seven, I guess eight out of 12, right? So I didn't do as good as you in, in this, uh, Eastern, Eastern round, but let's move over to the West because oh, really quick, my oh. guy. I'm sorry uh -huh. to interrupt. I'm just, I want to get your thoughts on this since we're still in the East, because it's the East question. Uh, what are your thoughts really, really quick? Cause, um, about, uh, the Slim Reaper is obviously hurt. He's not going to be able to play in this one, which is unfortunate. Um, but he's still the captain of the team, right? He got the most votes. Mm -hmm. So do you think, like, uh, a guy who's not going to be able to play in the game because of injury or whatever, should he still be able to pick the team? Like, he can still be the captain. Like, I don't take that away from him. But would would you let the second 
highest vote getter pick the team. I probably would. I would say that because like he can still be there for the game, I guess, and be the captain, but he's not going to be playing with these guys. So I feel like what's the point of him picking the team? Like have the guy who's second highest vote getter pick it. It's kind of a nitpick. Like I'm not like, oh, he shouldn't be able to do it. It's wrong. You feel me? Like I'm not saying like there's anything wrong with it, but I kind of feel like if he's not going to play, then maybe you should pass like the that the second highest vote getter pick the team since he's actually going to be playing with these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, that would be fine. I don't really feel strongly about it. I mean, I think the the whole reason they've switched this whole, like, giving captains is they want more money. They want to be able to televise <laughs> Kevin Durant and LeBron James on TV picking their players. Um, and, you know, you while I also think it would be exciting to have like Giannis or you know take his place or even Embiid take his place. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, I mean, whoever ultimately, I I do think maybe besides Steph, maybe besides Giannis, like those are the two most famous players probably of the last ten years. I'd say like LeBron James and Kevin Durant. You know, you could argue maybe Stevie, but like they're they're kind of the mit the the most famous the faces of the league. So. I get I, I'd say like it's okay for him to still pick the teams, but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird format because yeah, he's not gonna be playing, but he's a captain and he gets to what is he just gonna be sitting on the sideline? Like is he even gonna show yeah. up? Like Yeah, that's what I'm you, saying. Like like know, I agree like, with you. Like I don't think I don't think there's if there's anything wrong with it. Like, you know what I mean? Let if if they wanna let Durant because he got the highest votes, they still wanna let him, you know, be the captain, which I said don't you couldn't have to take that away from him. But I thought maybe like have the guy who's actually gonna play pick the team. But hey, I mean it's all good, right? There's no problem. I have a problem with it. I just thought like maybe more from a practical standpoint. Because you know, maybe like the guy who's the second highest vote getter who's gonna be playing, maybe he wants he wants to prioritize something differently for his team. Like maybe he wants to go all bigs or all all guards, maybe, you know what I mean? It's an all-star game. Mm-hmm. It's not like it really matters who wins, right? Yeah. So, like, exactly. maybe, like, they might want to do something, like, you know, out there, like, no guards on my team. Just give me all front court guys, if, if that's <laughs> possible. You feel what I mean? Like, give me, like, eight front court guys and three guards. You know what I mean? So It would be sweet, knows, watching, yeah. it would be sweet watching, like, Rudy Gobert, Jokic, Towns, uh, uh, the process, and Giannis. The process of Giannis? <laughs> oh, my God, man. <laughs> that would be great. The monsters. like. Yeah, it's like Stevie and uh, Trey Young and Donnie Switch. Yeah, Yeah, Chris Paul. (laughs) That would be fun, bro. John Morant. Yeah, Yeah, that would actually be really dope. That should actually maybe work that in some way. Like have like a a big guy versus little guy game. Like have like guys like, I don't know, 6'2 and under against guys 7 feet and taller or something like that. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. As as like an all-star like uh, festivity game, you know what I mean? But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just something I thought about. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick. This is something that kind of I thought was, you know, at least something to mention. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, let's look at our our um, our West starters. So you've got LeBron James as the captain and obviously starter. Uh, you got Steph Curry starting. You've got uh, Nikola Jokic starting at center. You got John Morant starting, and then you have, and we talked about this when the initial fan vote was submitted. You have Andrew Wiggins starting, and uh, if folks remember, like I was like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna make it. Like the media, the media, the players, and and um, the media will will vote him out. Will vote will 
they'll make sure he gets out. But ultimately, like he made it. He, he so so this is one of the weird situations where if Andrew Wiggins was not named a starter, he wouldn't have made the team at all. The the the, the coaches were not going to vote him as a reserve. Um, but by the like strength of his fan vote, thanks to to Bam Bam, the the K-pop personality, um, he actually took that starting spot. Um, but then the reserves are Devin Booker, um, Luka Doncic, um, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Chris Paul, and Carl Anthony Towns. Draymond Green is hurt and is not going to play. So Adam Silver named DeJounte Murray uh, from the, the San Antonio Spurs, which was a pleasant surprise, but one that I, I really liked um, for him. So, you know, biggest thing I'd say um, is the Wiggins thing. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts about him being the, 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 the final starter for, for, the, um, for the, the, the Western Conference or for, yeah, the West? Uh, it was something where, like, the more I look at it and think about it, the more out of place it seems to me. Like, we had talked about it before we we talked about it yesterday or two days ago, I want to say, when we were, you know, just talking about, oh, we want to talk about the All-Star teams and stuff like that. Uh, to me, he didn't make my team either. Like, I saw him. I was like, well, he's having a you know, solid year, but he's not really an All-Star to me. And I do agree with you. Like, if it wasn't because of a fan vote, and him being a starter, which, you know, he has to make the team, obviously. I don't think he would have made the reserves. Uh, I, I think given everything, he's having a solid year, maybe one of the best years of his career, you could say, which has been, I mean, let's keep it real, right? It's been a, it's been a disappointing career for a guy who went number one. He did win rookie mm-hmm. of the year. But, I mean, if you think about, you know, what's to be expected of a number one pick, to me he hasn't really been a number one pick in terms of impact on a team, right? He's, he's a really solid complementary player now. He's a starter on a very good team. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But, like, if we're thinking about, uh, to me, I don't really, I don't know, I don't really, I, I get, I guess, because of the fan vote he got in, I understand that. And that's one of the things that, you know, fans could get a guy who they really want. But I don't know. I feel like there was a lot, a lot of other guys who are more deserving to me than Andrew Wiggins. But no shade. I mean, I'm happy for him. I think this is his, is this his first All-Star game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a starter. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, I'm happy for him. I am. But at the same time, uh, he wouldn't have made my team. So, I mean, we keep it real, right? I'm not going to lie and say, oh, yeah, it's great. But, I mean, I'm happy for him. I hope he has a great time at the game. But keep it real. He wasn't on my team. And uh, I don't think he should be an all-star. But, um, you know, much love to him. Let him do his thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll see. Maybe he plays well and shows up and proves us wrong. Um, but yeah, Maybe he wins MVP. Uh, who knows? Yeah. yeah, who knows? So yeah, compared so so for what we've got this year, how, how did your Western picks kind of hold up with what we actually ended up getting? I think I think both you and I guessed the other four starters correctly, right? Ja, Steph, LeBron, and Big Honey, Nico Jokic. Are you muted, homie? My bad. My bad. So my starters were Morant, Curry, Jokic, James, and Towns. So I got them all right except for uh, Towns. Mm-hmm. And then my the rest of my team was uh, SGA, uh, Edwards, 
Ingram, Aiton, Mitchell, Booker, Green. So I did like how you did in the East. That's what I did in the West. I got eight out of 12, right? Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's pretty solid. I mean, it's okay. The ones, I guess if we're going to go with like what's a, my snub before you give us like, you know, how did you do in the West with your picks and your snub? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think that uh, Towns should should have started, but fan vote. It is what it is, right? So we're not going to belabor that point anymore. Uh, to me, the two biggest snubs, I guess uh, I think Ingram, I think Brandon Ingram deserve it deserved a spot on this team. I mean, obviously, I feel really bad because I feel like I feel like we're attacking Wiggins, and we're not. Like I don't want to dull his shine. You feel me? But like I just feel like if I had to pick somebody on this team who I I would take off, I would he'd be the first guy I think of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or to be real, I didn't neither. I don't think either one of us had Luca Doncic on our team. No, I didn't. I did not. I don't. I think he's another guy where, I mean, he's not to the hardened extent where like he doesn't look like he's trying. I just feel like he's, he hasn't looked to me like an all star. And the Mavs don't really look like they look like they're kind of just they're just kind of there. You know what I mean? Like they're good enough to make the playoffs, but are they really good enough to even like you can even say, oh yeah, this team could compete for a title this year? Not really. And I know that's not the prerequisite for an uh, you know an exhibition game, an all star game. But to me, I just think that there was guys that were more deserving. Like, I think Brandon Ingram is more deserving. People can say, what are you, crazy? Like, you know, Luka Doncic, the, you know, the star power, you got to have him in the All-Star game. And I can't deny that. I will never say you're wrong. I don't think the fans and, the, and you know, the coaches and everything were wrong for putting him in there. I'm not going to say that. But he just wasn't an All-Star to me. Um, SGA is hurt, so he's obviously out of the equation, so I can't even say that. But uh, DeAndre Ayton, I thought. I didn't have Chris Paul. I had Booker instead. You had Chris Paul. I would put Aiton above Chris Paul. I know Chris Paul is obviously you know extremely famous, bigger names on TV and commercials and all that stuff. But I know you can't have you can't have three sons, even though they're the best team in the league. But my two sons would have been Booker, Aiton, and you had Booker Paul. So that's kind of splitting hairs. But yeah. the one I do feel I feel probably the strongest about is uh, Tony Edwards. So Ant Man. Yeah. I he would be really fun. A, I think he's having a yeah. phenomenal year. And you can be like, wow, like two T-Wolves could have made the All-Star team, right? They're a talented team. They are. But uh, hey, Tony Edwards they're, is – They're like one game outside of the sixth seed. I mean, yeah. they're almost they're, out of they're, the plan. They're finally – like we talked about yeah. last week, I want to say they are finally – or one of our shows, they are finally playing up to their talent for once. It's a miracle, yeah. right? They've always, they always underachieve for who knows whatever reason, right? But uh, yeah, I think Tony Edwards is my guy. I think he, him, and Lamelo. Like I said, I don't think we've talked about it before. I don't think Minnesota made the wrong pick going with him at number one, and I don't think Charlotte, you know, obviously didn't do wrong with uh, Lamelo Ball at, at three. I think Lamelo could have easily went number one, and I think you know uh, Edwards could have went number three, and it would have been just fine too. They were just one. It was like a, it was almost like a like what happened this year. Where you could have took you could have took Cunningham or Mobley one, and if the other one went three, then so be it. You know what I mean? Where there was multiple guys that were deserving to go number one. So, but yeah, I think Edwards is having a he's having a great year. He's obviously very popular. He, he puts on the flashy dunks. Yeah, he was like his game is made for an All Star game. You know what I mean? I would love to see him in a dunk contest, but that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, he's the guy for me probably that I would say. I would I would most like to see make it that didn't that didn't make it, but you know, there's always next year 
so we'll see what happens, right? But what about you? Yeah. Like, what, what did you get? Uh, how many of your picks did you get uh, on the money? And who was uh, maybe some some guys who thought you could have made the team or should have made the team? Yeah, so I did better in the West. Um, I got – yeah, I got 10 out of 12 right. So I obviously didn't have Wiggins. And then the other one is I did not have Luka. Um, so – uh, I had Draymond Green as my fifth starter. And then as the three backup front courts, I had Ta- Carl Towns, I had Rudy Gobert, and I had Brandon Ingram. And yeah, I'm just going to say the same thing. Like, Ingram is a better player than Wiggins, just straight up. <laughs> like, so that that's the argument. Like, he's a better player in pretty much every way. I mean, Wiggins might be like a more solid defender, but I mean, you um Ingram's scoring more than Wiggins is he has way more offensive first he's the primary shot creator him and Valanciunas on the Pelicans who now are actually in the 10th spot and, and fighting for a playing seed he's playing I I think the best ball of his career since he's really come back from in, from injury Ingram missed the first um you know week or two of games and they really struggled and as soon as he came back the Pelicans started to pick it up so I think he should be in it. He was an all-star last year, first-time all-star. I thought he should have been one this year. Um, yeah, the only – I think Anthony Edwards would be the only one I'd really consider a snub. Um, but, like, I don't know. I don't think I would really drop anyone else. Like, Luca, you again, I didn't have him in there. But the more – you know, we recorded that two weeks ago. In the two weeks since, he has started to play better. Mavs are the five seed, so you know, and he's world famous. I get it. Um, but it would be really fun to see Anthony Edwards. The one I was like surprised about and very happy about was Adam Silver putting in DeJounte Murray because he was kind of a guy who I thought was under the radar because he plays in San Antonio. Um, not a lot of people know who he is. He's a pretty young guard, I think it's his third or fourth year. Um, he's just a do everything guard. He scores, um, he's a driving, like slashing you know, to the rim. He's really long. He passes. He's in, I think, the top 10 of, of assists this year of, with more than eight a game. He rebounds um, with about eight a game, which is elite for a guard. And then uh, the biggest thing is he's just an awesome defender. He leads the league in steals. He is just an absolute menace. So um, I was happy to see him in it. And, you know, it's it's weird because the Spurs are not having a good season. <laughs> They're not going to make the, the play in, I don't think unless they make some big trade. Um, They really don't have much, but, you know, I I don't know. Things were looking grim for them coming into the season. Like, I kind of felt like I didn't know if DeJounte Murray was, like, a real piece. And I think him, like, kind of showing up and being their, you know, far and away best player is good. They have a guy to now build around. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that I was happy to see in the game, and I think he'll be fun to watch, too. He's very electric, very fast. Um, he, he's kind of freaky looking like a mini Giannis almost with his arms everywhere. And, um, yeah, so that, that should be fun, but yeah. So, you know, overall, I'm not too upset about anything all-star related. I don't think there were any like crazy glaring snubs, to be honest, after putting LaMelo in, um, that probably would have been the biggest if, if Durant wasn't hurt and Lamella didn't make it probably you, you're probably right. Got to have one of the, the Hornets players on there. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the game. Um, you know, they're doing some other new kind of new stuff for the former rising stars challenge. Now it's 
now there are four teams and they're going to play like a little tournament. Um, so they've got four teams and they've got the, the first year and second year players um, who are picked for this, as well as they actually picked a couple guys from the G league, like young players on the G league developmental team. Um, so that's, that's going to be cool to watch. Just like a watch the young talent in the league. Um, a lot of those guys didn't make the all-star team. And so this is going to be their chance to shine all-star weekend. So yeah, I mean, I don't really look forward to the dark contest much anymore. I think it's gone a little bit downhill. I don't really look forward to skills or three-point shooting as much either. Um, but you know, I, I, I'll watch the game. I'll, I'll, I'll be looking forward most to that, that East West challenge or that, um, rising stars little tournament thing. Yeah. Um, well, first off, uh, uh, props to you for the Jante Murray pick. That was, that was great on your part. You definitely had the one, right? So props to you on that one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it next week. We'll do, uh, we'll make our picks for, you know, the all-star game festivities, you know, who we think is going to win each challenge or each event and who do you think is going to win MVP so on and so forth, right? So we'll get to that. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, I agree with you about uh, some of the events not having the same sort of um, star power like they used to, especially when we were growing up and even before then as well. I mean, you had uh, you had superstars like in the three in the dunk contest, especially. Like, obviously, you had his Aaronis, Dominique Wilkins, and you know guys like that, and even you know Vince Sanity was was you know ruling it for a while, and Dwight Howard, you know. Things like that. So you don't see a lot of like superstars want to do it anymore, which is unfortunate. I mean, we'll talk about it next week, but they, we'll talk about maybe even some guys who we would have loved to see in it this year. But um, but yeah, I think it's going to be fun. We'll make our picks on that next week. But uh, I agree with you, uh, except for you know a couple things here and there. I think it's pretty solid. The teams are solid all the way through. Nothing where I'm like, this is egregious. There's no way. A couple ones I disagree with, but... Uh, it is what it is, and it'll be fun, right? It's always it's meant to be fun, so let's try to enjoy it the best we can. Yeah, um, yeah, it should be good. Um, yeah, the only other thing before we move on to uh, the the showcase segment um, is people might notice like we haven't talked about any of the trades. We are waiting. We're going to do a trade deadline discussion next week. Um, the reason we're not is because the trade deadline's tomorrow uh, afternoon. And so a lot of like big moves happen at the last minute. And so we're just going to wait until it actually passes just in case um, there's something game changing. But I definitely have thoughts about some of that. I know you do too. So we'll get to that next week. So just wanted to give uh, the listeners a little, a little sneak peek at that. But um, yeah, I'll let you carry us into the next segment. All right. So we're going to, we're going to switch over to, um, kicking it and this is going to be a special edition of kicking it this is going to hopefully the first of many this is going to be our if you know if you listen to the show you know that we have the p more special is uh, one of our, our little mini segments i guess you could say well this is going to be the first helmet hoops and homies p more super bowl special so mm-hmm. uh yeah so i we're going to just go through i think we're going to do like a, a deep dive whereas you know the, the best we can do on the Super Bowl, it's obviously the biggest game of probably the, of every sport, I guess, in North America at the very least. Biggest game of the year, right? So I feel like we, we have to do something a little bit special for it. So I thought we would just go through 
and kind of you know follow each team's road, talk about each team's road to the Super Bowl, like how to go through each game really quick, and uh, talk about how they got to where they are. So obviously our two Super Bowl teams we have in in the NFC, we had Los Angeles Rams or the LA Curly Horns as we like to call them, and the AFC we have the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, let's go ahead and start off with friend. We're gonna do you know we'll give our uh, what we think about the game, uh, who we think is going to win, who's going to win Super Bowl MVP, all that fun stuff. But let's just start with the road to the Super Bowl for uh, our Pimor Super Bowl special. So we'll start. Uh, we'll start in the, in the NFC. So how about we just start off with just looking at? Uh, we'll go through uh, each of us will talk really quick about uh, each round. So obviously in the in the wild card round we had the the Curly Horns played. They were the four seed. They won the division this year. They went 12 and five and they played uh, their division rival, the Arizona Cardinals. They hosted this game and uh, it was, it was a, they uh, layeth the smacketh down. You could say on Arizona, they won 34 to 11 in a game that was never really competitive at all. After the first quarter, it was a blowout and it just continued to be that way. And that's with, um, Stafford not really putting up great numbers. Like nobody really had an amazing game. I mean, even Cooper Cup didn't really he didn't have 100 yards. So nobody had an amazing game, but Arizona was just that bad. So uh, the Curly Horns were able to just, you know, beat them down. Move on to the next round. That one was surprising to me. I actually did pick Arizona, so I've been wrong uh every yeah. round. I've been wrong every round about the Curly Horns. So <laughs> Hey, it is, Rams, it is right? I that it. was a Rams defense yeah, uh, game for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. So, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about the about that game, homie? What the, uh, yeah. the wild card round? Yeah, that was definitely like the worst game I thought of. The, well, I don't know. There were some pretty bad games in the opening. No, the round. Pittsburgh game was the worst. The game, Pittsburgh easily. game was worse, but this was bad too. I mean. And and I, I don't know. I kind of was just expecting it. Like the Cardinals just keep doing this. They keep falling apart in the second half of the year. And I just couldn't, I, I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't have any faith in them. Um, it was really, yeah, like the LA, it was, this was like a LA defense showcase. Like their defense really stepped up in this game, really kind of shut down Kyler and, and that, that Cardinals offense who they were missing DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, they were they were also someone else was banged up for them as well. So they were they were clearly down some some people. But yeah, that Edmonds, was like a, Edmonds was banged up for that yeah. one too. He was kind of just recently coming off of that. Yeah, foot thing or something like that. Yeah. So so they they um yeah that that was not a great game. Um and and like really like that to me was like okay the Rams to me are a real threat. And the Cardinals were kind of, you know, again, what they always are. They get hot in the beginning of the season. They're the best team <laughs> through September and October. And then they kind of just fall apart when it matters. So, um, yeah, kind of my thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, that one wasn't really competitive. So we'll move on to the next round. In the divisional round, the Curly Horns played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Buccaneers were the home team. They were favored in this game. And the Rams were able to pull this one out 30-27. to 27. So uh, what are your thoughts on that game? Then I'll give mine. Yeah, so this game was looking like it was 
you know, on the one hand, it, it was looking like the, the Rams defense was utterly dominant in the first half, held Brady to three points, Brady, Brady and the, the Buccaneers offense that was the best in the league. Now, given a, a couple things, they were missing Antonio Brown, who went off the rails again, and is not going to be probably ever be in the league again. They were missing Godwin, who is arguably their best receiver. Gronk, to me, was clearly banged up. Uh, he, he did not look healthy to me. Um, definitely not how he looked last playoff run. Um, so, But they were really holding them in check, and it just didn't look like they can get anything going. So, was, you know, I think it was like 20 to 3 at halftime. But honestly, in my head, I was like, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> they have Tom Brady. Um, I've seen him come back from 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. I've seen him come back from big, big deficits multiple times and he did just that he he put that he absolutely put them in a position to win that game he they the after um a, a quick touchdown by the rams in start to start off the third quarter um tampa bay scored uh 21 straight points um so or no more 24 straight points um to tie things up with 40 seconds left but then the 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 Bucks defense just fell apart. Now credit, Matt Stafford makes a nice throw there, and Cooch, Cooper Cup ran a really good route. But that is so so basically, there's 40 seconds left, and Stafford throws like a 50 or 60 yard pass to Cup to put them into field goal position, and they run up and they get the spike so that they can kick the game winning field goal. Um, basically, it was like a you know a long vertical route by Cup down the middle of the field. And Todd Bowles had blitzed one of their corners, um, I guess, trying to get pressure on Stafford. Um, but I feel like Stafford, if people know, like he's been, he's pretty good against the blitz. And so, I don't know, he, he, kudos to him. He made a great throw. Cooper, made, Cooper Cup ran a great route and made a big, great catch. But that to me was just a big defensive lapse. And they ended the game uh, in fashion like it really seemed like the momentum had changed and we we're gonna see tom brady pull out pull off another legendary um comeback and then it just kind of like all of a sudden it, it was just done so i don't know it was it was very kind of shocking to watch that whole game it was very like a very surprising game first they looked like they had no chance then they looked like they had all the momentum and then the rams end up winning so it was just kind of weird yeah, it was a, it was a tale of two halves in that game, right? Like you said, the the Rams were dominating. Uh, I texted you. I'm like, Tom Brady looks like he's sleepwalking out there. He looks like he was kind of going through the motions. He had a bad first half, missing a lot of guys. A lot of guys were banged up. I get it, but uh, he was getting frustrated out there. He even uh, he even got a a, a penalty, uh, you know, for um, unsportsmanlike conduct. I couldn't I couldn't find the words for a minute. Unsportsmanlike conduct for using uh, uh, vulgar language at the referee uh, because he got hit and split his lip, and uh, he thought he should have got a rough and passer call on that, which I get. But yeah, he looks looked really frustrated. They look like they didn't have an enhancer, but then he, you know, he did what he always does, right? He comes back or at least keeps his team in the game and gives them a chance to win. And uh, the Rams look like they're trying their best to give the game away. Uh, four turnovers in the game overall. And uh, it looked like this was like another instance where uh, Tom Terrific was going to do what he does. The Bucks defense finally came alive in the second half. 
And then um, the thing that's just been crazy to me, like we talked about, I don't know if I said this specifically on the show, these words, but I was telling you, this has been the worst defense overall from teams I've ever seen in a playoff year. You know what I mean? Like there has been so many, there's been so few games where both teams have played great defense. It's been a lot of either both teams are playing terrible defense or one team is playing good or great and one team's not playing at all. You know what I mean? Like it's been very inconsistent on defense, which is why I gave so much props to Cincinnati, who we'll talk about later uh, in their their uh, road to the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, the, I mean, when you had to have it, you know what I mean? You got to pin yours back. You cannot let them. You can't let him throw. I think it was a 55-yard pass to Cooper Cup. You got a double cup. You know, let somebody else beat you. I just don't get it. Like you said, there was, you know, a blitz. And, you know what I mean? Some misassignment. But, I mean, it just can't happen. You just can't let it happen. You know what I mean? It was a real killer. It was a shot in the heart I could even imagine, too. I feel like when you're watching the game, the fans were absolutely stunned that you come all the way back. And it was basically for nothing, right? At the very least, even if even if I think Tampa Bay would have lost in overtime, at least they would have been like, well, they went to overtime. And, you know, as we've seen, the coin toss tends to win you the game now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, uh, that was just a disappointing ending. But uh, the Rams were able to get it done. So the props to Cooper Cup's been having an amazing year, obviously one of the best years ever for a receiver statistically. And Stafford, when he had to get it done, he got it done. Right? So you got to give him props for that too. But it was a shame to see Brady go out like that, especially now that we know what we know with uh, the retirement, which, um, you know, would have been it would have been uh, fun to see him uh, come to another championship game. But, I mean, the Rams did what they had to do. They they were able to pick up the pieces and they won the game. And that's what you need to do. You got to win those games where maybe you're you're not supposed to win them or you're, uh, you know, I mean, you're playing horrible, you know, in a half, but you somehow eke it out and you win, right? So uh, props to them. They did that for sure. But uh, the ending was disappointing, I'm going to say. I, I would have wanted to at least see overtime in that one just to see, uh, you know, who would have got the ball and what would have happened. You know what I mean? It would have been it would have been fun to see. So uh, let's move on. So obviously the Rams won 30-27. They, uh, they sent the GOAT home for the last time. That's what he says. We'll see, right? Um, and then... We're going to move on to uh, the next round. So obviously they went to the NFC championship game and they were the home team. They were the four seed. So they were playing the San Francisco 49ers who were the six seed. So another divisional matchup. So they had two, two division rivals. They had to play in the playoffs in the road of the Super Bowl. So they're playing the Niners uh, at home and you got uh it was a game that uh, they looked they looked kind of like they were struggling. I think definitely uh, Sean McVay was getting outcoached handily. I think the, the two challenges were just bad challenges, I felt like, especially the last one. But he just looked like he was grasping at straws, trying to figure out something to do. Uh, we talked about this last week, I think, or the week before, when, when we talked about the championship games. But uh, he just looked like he was getting outcoached by far. But then Shanahan, he looked like he was getting out coached later on too. So who knows? Coaching was bad all the way around. I feel like, and uh, they won twenty seventeen. So they uh, they were able to come down. They were down by ten, and then uh, the Niners' offense stalled. And Jimmy Garoppolo does what Jimmy Garoppolo does. Uh, when, you know when you he's going to give you one every game, and he gave it to him as the last their last series of the game. Yep. But even before that, <laughs> even before that, 
uh, the, they had a horrible, horrible uh, three and out. I don't even think they had any positive yardage on that when they needed to score. And of course, the infamous uh, Jaquaski Tart drop that could have probably sent the Niners to the Super Bowl dropped it. But it was another game for me where the Curly Horns uh, came back, they roared back, and they were able to, to you know, um, edge out a victory again. So that was back-to-back games where they won by a field goal, and they uh, they were able to get it done. And those are the kind of games that, you know, when it's not going your way, but the momentum swings, you got to take advantage of it. And they were able to ride that and win the game and go to the Super Bowl. So that was that's my take on it. But what was your, what were some of your takeaways from the game, homie? Yeah, I mean, we t- we talked about it a bit last week. Yeah, the coaching was really bad. Um, it definitely was more of a defensive, like, battle. Though, I don't know, like, Stafford threw for over um, 300 yards, again, for a second straight game. Cup had a big, big game. It was mostly Cup getting a lot of that yardage. But, yeah, to me, it was one of those those games that, you know, is kind of – evident of a lot of you know it's it's common for a lot of those those divisional matchups to be like close and kind of like low scoring so um yeah i thought it was a fine game um i think the better team in my opinion did did win um and and i did think that the rams coming in were better but you know they had lost six straight (laughs) to shanahan's 49ers so you know i wouldn't have been surprised at all if they lost another one but I think they finally kind of got the monkey off their back on that. And so, you know, that's probably refreshing. They're back in the Super Bowl for the first time, for the uh, second time in like five years. So I think you would already say like the, the, the kind of new, you know, the new era Rams with Sean McVay and, you know, the, the, um, you know, Aaron Donald led teams and, you know, that, their their offense has turned over quite a bit, but that's it's been a success. I mean, I think their their general manager deserves um, some praise for that. Um, they're known for going all in and trading all their picks for stars, and they do. And not everyone agreed with that, and you know, it's it's served them well this time. Um, so yeah, I I would say um, looking forward to it. Um, the other the only other like big thing I would say that I was that I was interested in with this team was so coming into the playoffs, you know, Stafford had a really good year or I should say he started off really well. Then he looked kind of shaky at times and people were questioning like, what's this guy made of? Is he legit? You know, Stafford's one of these guys who, you know, is probably like for most of his career was considered a top 10 quarterback, but never like a top five um and he famously like only went to the playoffs uh, once or twice never won a first round series and just didn't play a lot of playoff games um because the lions just never really made it or and and when they did they didn't make it far um so people were like how's he gonna do in the playoffs he's really surpassed my expectations i i thought he's been good he threw he's thrown a bad pick here or there but he's really you know, this Rams offense, like there's no way they make this run with Jared Goff. Um, there's just no way. <laughs> he does not make that last throw to Cooper Cup to beat the Bucks. There's no way. So um, you know, I think their their gamble on trading for Stafford has definitely paid off. I think um I have a higher opinion of him now than I did 
I'd say like before the season, um, he really has shown he can be a, a, a great back on a, on a team. So yeah, that's kind of my big, big thoughts um, for, for their Super Bowl run. Yeah, um, I think uh, Niners weren't able to run the ball. They only had 50 yards rushing, and that's what they do. They want to keep the ball out of Garoppolo's hands. That's just a game plan, right? And when mm-hmm. he turned to him, it didn't work out. So the the Rams defense did a great job stopping the run and forcing Jimmy G to beat them, and he obviously did not. And also, uh, biggest takeaway from the run as a whole for the Curly Horns is that they won. They won. A, they won a game every way you can win one. I feel like. First round, they won in a blowout. Second round, they were leading, blew the lead, but still pulled it out and won. And in the last game, they were down by double digits, and they came back and they won. So yeah. I feel like that's if you're if you're a Rams fan, you got to feel pretty good about that. They've won a game basically every way you can win in the playoffs. So there's no situation really that they haven't really faced. Um, so that's something that's interesting. I think we don't see that very often, or at least I can't think of it at the top of my head. That's interesting that each one of their games was a different scenario in terms of what they were up against or what was going on. So that's interesting. And uh, I think uh, they they definitely are, are going to be a tough out. And I for in terms of the Stafford situation, I think he's been I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been great. I think he's been pretty good. I, I'm interested to see what he does in the Super Bowl. Then we'll see. You know, was all this warranted? Because you can get because they already got there, right? They rolled the defense and they had Jared Goff and they got there. If they don't win, then you could say for this year at least, because I mean they're going to be contenders next year, of course. That didn't work out. We'll have to see what happens, right? So I think he's been solid. I don't think he's been great. A lot of people are saying he's been great. I don't think he's been great. I think he's been okay, okay to pretty good at times, and uh, we'll see what happens, right? So that's the that's the run for the LA Rams. So let's now switch over to the the AFC and let's go ahead and run through run through uh what's going on with with the other Super Bowl representative the Cincinnati Bengals so the Cincinnati Bengals they went 10 and 7 this year they were the 4 seed in the AFC they won the AFC North and in their first round matchup they played the Las Vegas Raiders and they won this game 26-19 now, this was a game that was uh, – it was a fun one all the way through, I feel like. You obviously had that call that a lot of people thought that was the wrong call on Jerome Boger's officiating crew where the whistle was blown before the pass was completed for the touchdown that gave the Bengals the lead. And then the Raiders had a chance at the end to tie the game and send it to overtime, but it didn't work out. But it was an exciting game, I think, all the way through. You saw, like, two – uh, to me, it looked like two very evenly matched teams. Uh, the Raiders, I think, played great. We've both talked about, you know, Rich Bisaccia and what we think about the job he's done, which was, I think, it's been tremendous given the circumstances. You agree? I think we've talked about that. But uh, the Bengals, I mean, they got it done. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't their. I think they had a, a pretty good game. I think it was a game where they leaned on the kicking game. Of course, what we see were uh, our guy. Uh, Evan McPherson, the chalet leg, as you like to call him. He uh, this is where he kind of started his he went on his role here that we would see later on. But uh, they were able to get it done. I think uh, Joe Burrow was was solid. I mean, but uh, Jamar Chase had over 100 yards receiving. But uh, the Raiders put up a good matchup, and the Bengals were just able to pretty much you know hold them off and hold on and win the game. 
and their defense was solid. I think holding holding uh, Las Vegas to 19 points is impressive. You know what I mean? Anytime you can hold a team under 20 in today's NFL, your defense had a good day. You know what I mean? Because you would hope that your team gets you 20 points or more in the high in the high powered offenses that we have in the league now for the most part. So I feel like you know that was where we started to see the Bengals defense kind of you know stand up a little bit, and they obviously held them off in that last uh, that last drive by Las Vegas. So I thought it was a solid game all the way through for the Bengals. Not their best game of the playoffs, but definitely a really great start. And they were finally able to win a playoff game for the first time in a very long time. But uh, what were your thoughts on that on that wild card matchup? Yeah, so like going into it, I thought it was going to be a good game. Um, both teams had been on winning streaks. So I, the Bengals had won four um, to, to close out the season. Um, and the Raiders, I think, had won a similar number. Um, they won four in a row as well. Two, three, four. Yeah, they won four in a row. So both teams were pretty hot. These are both teams that hadn't been in the playoffs for a couple years, at least, you know, five years or so. Um, like you said, this this was a big playoff win for Cincinnati. Um, it's their, It was their first playoff victory i believe since 1990 so like over 30 years and you know people like me and you who who watch kind of the andy dalton marvin lewis era Bengals, like they made the playoffs a lot like they made it four or five times and like lost in the first round every time so it kind of seemed like they were cursed a little bit um but I think suffice to say, Joe Burrow is definitely not Andy Dalton. No disrespect to Andy Dalton, but just different level of talent. Those teams were more like defensive oriented. This seems more offensive oriented. Um, I kind of thought this was going to be a higher scoring game, to be honest with you, homie, because the Bengals, you know, have a, had a really potent offense. They had had some really good games. Um but yeah, we we both had questions about their defense for sure, and you know the the Raiders had just put up thirty five versus um, the Chargers. They had put up twenty three versus a good Colts defense. You know they weren't they weren't always. I wouldn't say the Raiders scored a ton of points in a ton of games, but you know with a kind of shaky Bengals defense, you can definitely see Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs kind of going off, but it was more of a defensive game. Um, definitely like slower paced, more about um, possession management. And yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I, you know, I definitely wouldn't have thought coming out of that, that like the Bengals looked like they were an upset waiting to happen or anything. I was like, yeah, they beat another like team that's very similar in quality. Now they'll probably lose to Tennessee. Um, you know, that that was kind of my thinking. So, um, yeah, I, I think it – but I, it was really cool to see them win that that playoff game because it it, it was good for their fans. Um, regardless, uh, just to get that kind of off their back. Yeah, it was good. Obviously good for the city, good for the fans, the franchise to finally get a playoff win after so many years. Uh, we diverge on what we thought was going to happen next, but we'll get to that in the next game. But uh, just to wrap it up, uh, like you said, yeah, that was a is a good way to put it. Like it was a defensive game for the most part, even though the offenses there was there, there was some juice there. But for the most part, this is where we started to see, hey, the Bengals defenses, you know, they could they could maybe get it done, right? You know what I mean? Like uh, we definitely saw that in the next game. But in this one, because I was I was been critical of them. I'm like, you know what? There's been games they look pretty okay or pretty solid. There's been games they look absolutely terrible. They've they've gotten lit they've gotten you know lit up. So I was like, what defense are we going to get? And they were solid. 
So I mean, yeah, it was it was a fun, it was an entertaining game. It went all the way to the wire. Those are always fun games to watch. So it was a fun one. So we move on. They obviously move on next week. They're the visiting team. They go up. They go down to uh, Tennessee to play the Titans, who were the number one seed. The Titans were coming off that first round bye, and uh, the Bengals were able to get them nineteen to sixteen. This was a very, very defensive minded game. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times. And the kicking game really came through for uh, for Cincinnati, and they were able to hold on despite all those sacks by Burrow and the offensive line of Cincinnati looking absolutely terrible and getting owned. Or not, I don't like to say owned, but but like uh, manhandled, you could say, right? Like they got to get manhandled by Tennessee's defense played fantastic. And uh, the Bengals' defense played great too as well. To hold the number one seed to 16 points, very, very impressive. They looked fantastic. I, I praised them. Uh, me and you had talked about it. Where I'm like, man, the Bengals defense looks legit so far. They're, you know, I got to give them props. And uh, Burrow didn't have his best game. Obviously, he was running for his life most of the game. But when he needed to get it done, he got it done. And uh, the big story of that that game for me was Ryan Tannehill. This, uh, I feel like his turnovers is what made Tennessee lose the game. I mean, you know, obviously props to the Bengals' defense for, you know, capitalizing, getting those turnovers, and for the offense for cashing it in. But uh, he just looked – he just made some bad decisions, and I think Tannehill uh, further uh, muddied the waters in terms of is he the type of guy that can you can win a title with, you can win a championship with, right? And I think that still remains to be seen. I personally am not the biggest Tannehill guy. I know you're not really either. I think there's better options, and they should maybe find somebody better to maximize uh, Derrick Henry's uh, his uh, golden years or his um, his his prime that he's in right now, because obviously we see with running backs, hopefully he's different, but running backs usually have a short shelf life in terms of being extremely effective. I mean, this guy's a whole he's a wholly different beast, so we'll see if that applies to him, because you know he's basically he's not normal. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a he's a monster. But uh, yeah, that was pretty much what the takeaways for me. Bengals defense was fantastic. Joe Burrow got. He got beat up, but you know he kept getting up and you know doing what he had to do, and he took advantage. And Tannehill, you know, his defense played great, but he wasn't able to to guide them to the points that they needed to do, and they lost because of it. Um, but what are your takeaways from that game, homie? I had picked the Bengals; I thought they were going to pull the upset. Uh, you had Tennessee in the Super Bowl, so I want to. Uh, I, I'm curious to hear like uh, what your expectations were going into the game, and then also like what were your your big takeaways from that one? Because obviously. Came as a bit of a surprise, you know, that the number one seed got knocked off. So, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I obviously picked Tennessee to go to the Super Bowl. In hindsight, I have no idea why I did that. I mean, so <laughs> I, I, I think what I was thinking is, right, the thinking was having the one seed was a huge advantage because you're the only team with a bye. So, whoever you have to play next round had to gut it out in a wild card game, which, you know, some people will say, well, that's a good way for – you know, a wildcard team to get some momentum, get comfortable. The other thing was Derrick Henry was coming back, and he's like, I think he's been, you could argue he's been the best player in the NFL, like the last couple of years or so. Um, so oops. Uh, the, the, the basically, like, I, I guess I was thinking just between that, between I thought that, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo were really going to duke it out and, you know, Tennessee would have a somewhat easier road and be better rested. Um, 
but yeah, Derek, Derek Henry coming back, like didn't really make a huge difference. He was largely held in check. I don't know if that's because of the Bengals defense. I don't know if it was because he was still hurt, but basically what that meant is you had to rely on Ryan Tannehill to get things done. And I think he is one of those players who, if he's going to be like a game manager for you, and you could really build your 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 offense around a running game. He's fine, but if you need him to step up and be like a big time quarterback in big time situations, you're in trouble. And so that's that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this is I, I just don't think a Tennessee is ever going to get into an NFC or into a Super Bowl with Tannehill at quarterback. I just don't. I, and I thought I think moving on from Mariota was probably a mistake. I don't know why they. They, they didn't really give that dude a chance, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, that, that that was my biggest takeaway. The only – the thing that I think is most interesting about this game is you you mentioned it. Burrow got sacked nine times. The, the, the Titans had a very good front seven. They were one of the best. The Rams have a very good front seven. And so what – you, Burrow might spend a lot of time on the ground this this Super Bowl. Now that doesn't mean they can't win. I mean, he still pulled it out for them. He still threw for over 350 yards. But every time they got to the red zone and they had time, they had a chance to score. It seems like he was taking a sack on third down. And some of those we mentioned were his fault. He was holding the ball too long. A lot of them, those defensive linemen were in his face for it, within a couple seconds. So if guys like Harold Landry and, you know, Autry and those kinds of guys can do that to the Bengals offensive line, what do you think Aaron Donald and, and Vaughn Miller and, you know, Leonard Floyd are going to do? So, you know, that would be my biggest thing is like, he's probably going to see a ton of pressure um, in the Super Bowl, And it's just how well he can, you know, play while being, you know, escaping the pocket, you know, those those types of plays, which he, he showed a really great ability to do um, time and again throughout these playoffs. So, um, yeah, that that'll that that was kind of the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's unfair to say, I mean, you can tell me if you think you disagree, but to me, like Ryan Tannehill is kind of like a better, a slightly better Jimmy Garoppolo type of guy like he'll get you only so far like he's not terrible he's not a horrible quarterback but he's limited like he's he's he doesn't have a high ceiling like you know what he is and he can as long as he's not the main factor or the main catalyst for you to win then you can win with them but if it comes down to you need him to carry you there i don't think he can do it and we've seen grapple he's been in the super bowl but when it comes times you know for him to take over and win the game for his team, he doesn't do it. I think Tannehill is the same. He made terrible decisions, but the Bengals defense came prepared. But that's that's my takeaway on that. But also, uh, last thing about this game is that this was the game where you're like, when you saw, you're like, man, the Bengals O-line is as bad as, we, as people have been saying it was. It looked really bad. They played terrible. And uh, it gave... I think it gave um, some fans and some analysts some pause. Like, man, their O-line's pretty bad. But they still won with all those sacks. Only quarterback ever to get sacked nine times in a playoff game and still win, which is impressive. So that's where you start to see the uh, the legend 
of Smoke and Joe start to Joe Cool start to you know come to come to life, right? So yeah, so then we'll we'll go ahead and move on to uh, the Bengals. Obviously, uh, won that one nineteen sixteen. They moved on to the AFC Championship game. They're the road team. They traveled to uh, Kansas City, and uh, this was a, a an interesting game. Uh, it looked like it was uh, over before it started, basically. <laughs> Uh, by the first half, it looked before the end of the first half, it looked pretty bad. They were uh, they were uh, down by a significant margin, and it looked like it was a, they were down twenty one to twenty one to ten, and it could have been a lot more with you know Kansas City deciding to not take the three points and make the fourteen point lead. They wanted to get greedy, went for the touchdown. They got stopped. Quarter, the half was over, and then that switched the momentum, and then we saw what happened from there. Uh, I was, uh, I had picked the Bengals to win this game. I was not optimistic after I saw the before the end of that last play of the first half. I was like, man, this game is so disappointing so far. But uh, you did say you texted me like, there's been there's been so many strange comebacks. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we see another one. So you did call it. So I'll definitely give you love for that. But uh, this was an impressive game uh, where I think Cincinnati in the first half did everything wrong except for that last stop at the goal line. And uh, and Casey did everything right, and then it switched. Then um, Cincinnati could do no wrong in the second half, basically, and Kansas City fell apart. So, And it went to overtime. This was an overtime game. And... Uh, even despite losing the coin toss, which seems to be a death sentence for most teams we've noticed in the playoffs, they were able to uh, get a pick on defense, and then they were able to go down, and the Chalet leg drilled the field goal, and they and they were able to win the game. So it was a, a shocking, a shocking loss for it was a, a huge, a huge loss uh, for a team that had been leading by a lot. But I've been saying it all year, and I'll keep saying it. I said it last year too. Kansas City's defense stinks. I don't care what anybody says. The defense stinks. They can be had. It had blown my mind how teams weren't taking advantage of their defense. You know what I mean? Even though Buffalo had scored so many points in the in the their matchup with them, they should have scored more than they did. They put up 47 against New England, which is a, a, a exponentially better defense than Kansas City's defense, and they killed them. But then they only score in the 30s against Kansas City. I don't know. You know what I mean? So I'm not putting it on their offense. Their offense did a good job. Their defense is the problem. But even so, like teams, it was kind of blowing my mind to an extent how nobody could take advantage of this Kansas City defense. And finally, the Bengals were able to break through and do what didn't look like it was going to be done. They were able to turn the tide and win that game. Joe Burrow was amazing in the second half. He just never looks flustered. He looks cool out there. And he did what he had to do. And the Bengals defense in the second half, they were my P more special. We talked about them. They were absolutely phenomenal getting stops. And they held they held Kansas City to three points in the second half. And that three points came where they had to force overtime. So they had basically held them scoreless until that last few seconds of the quarter where they had to kick a field goal sent to overtime. So the defense was phenomenal. This is where I said, like, man, this defense is is they're hot right now. And you get a hot defense in the in the playoffs, you know, you're you're gonna go places, you got a shot to go all the way, right, to win it. So we'll see what happens if they can stay hot. But uh, that was where I'm like, man, their defense has proven me wrong. They've been great so far. 
they've been a huge reason why they're in the Super Bowl right now. Uh, Burrow and and the defense. T. Higgins had a great game, I think. Um, big fan of his. We're both fans of his. Uh, they kind of took Chase away a little bit. And Nixon was able to run the ball a little bit as well. It's a very balanced attack, I felt like, from Cincinnati in the second half. And the defense was great. But uh, what were your take about take uh, um, takeaways from this game? I, I think it's we can just be real and say we we're very happy with the results of this game. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you know, same thing. I didn't, you know, I wasn't thrilled with seeing them down. You know, they were down basically twenty-one to three with Cincinnati. Like, could have or uh, excuse me. Kansas City could have scored again. Um, but like you said, got greedy, um, went for the uh went for the 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 um touchdown on fourth instead of just taking the points. Um and that I think is where kind of the the tide turned. Um I think you know that they, they they kind of could have put some more points on the board, um, given them uh, you know. A, a uh a chance to win and instead they they tried to get into the end zone it actually wasn't fourth down it was it was second and goal but there were five seconds left so they could have kicked it and said they tried to go for the touchdown um and and missed it um yeah I, the the i was you know just after all of the comebacks and crazy endings we'd seen i was like i i just don't feel like this is over um going into the second half and you know, you kind of mentioned how the second half played out. Um, you know, Cincinnati made this big comeback. The defense really held um, Kansas City in check until they kind of until that last drive. And so it was it was kind of eerily similar because just like the previous week versus Buffalo, this was going into overtime with a coin toss that Kansas City wins. And right, like we had seen that movie before where Kansas City wins the toss. They go out and score the touchdown. The other team doesn't see the ball. But I did feel differently about this overtime just because of how great Cincinnati's defense had been playing. Yes, Mahomes had driven it down far enough for them to kick a field goal at the end, but otherwise hadn't done a whole lot in that uh, second half. And, you know, as it turns out, (laughs) he gets the ball in overtime, three and out, zero yards gained. They absolutely shut him down. And then, um the the Bengals kind of get the ball back in great field position and I, I just kind of I, I knew it I knew they were gonna score Joe Burrow was on fire I just I knew they were gonna win the game at that point and yep uh you know a very fitting ending uh to that game was the chalet leg uh kicking a field goal to uh send him to the Super Bowl so yeah I was it was great that's it's one of the great playoff runs I've seen in a while the way their defense is playing right now reminds me of the way the Giants defenses were playing, um, you know, when they went on their Super Bowl runs. Now, those defenses were better during the year, probably more bona fide stars like Justin Tuck and Strahan and OCU Minora and Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, Antonio, Antonio Pierce. Yeah. Yep, Antonio Pierce, great, great linebacker. But they is the same thing, very opportunistic just making things uncomfortable for the other team coming up with big turnovers and big moments. So, you know, I've seen that type of defense, even if they don't necessarily, they weren't the most talented. 
um, in the whole league, like really get hot and like get a lot of confidence and really, you know, shut teams down. So um, I feel pretty good about them going against, you know, this, the Stafford led offense. I think they can give them some troubles. Um, I am concerned about that offensive line for Cincinnati. You know, they, they held up in, in this Kansas city game, but Kansas city's defense is not anywhere close to LA's in my, in my opinion. So, um, this, this should be interesting. Um, I do think it it, it is going to be a, a good game and I'm excited to watch it. I think it's, it's two teams that I wouldn't say a ton of people expected to be in the Super Bowl. Um, before the season started, but you know, it's, it's some new teams. It's not like Kansas city, like we've had every year, Tom Brady, like we've had every year, right. It's, it's some new faces. And so um, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've, I said like, it's not to me like the best matchup. I'm not like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it, but it's, it'll be an interesting game. I mean, obviously I think, I think the Joe Burrow factor puts it over the top for me. Um, you're obviously a huge fan. I like him. Like I always say, I really like him. You love him. Um, I think that uh, that makes it more exciting that we're seeing Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Like not very many people would have guessed that. Even probably Cincinnati fans couldn't have dreamed of it this year in his first full year starting. But uh, just to keep it real, like I don't really think the Curly Horns are that exciting of a team to watch. I know they got all the stars. They're in L.A. But I don't. I just don't find them that exciting to watch. You know what I mean? Like I think there's more fun teams to watch. Um, than than uh than LA. Same thing with Green Bay. I mean obviously I'm from Chicago so I don't like them as a team. But even still being objective, I don't find them very exciting to watch either, even though they got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and you know what I mean? I just don't find them that exciting to watch. Sometimes the teams with the most stars or they play in the bright lights in the big cities, sometimes to me they're not really that exciting. You know what I mean if you feel what I'm saying? But like, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a, a solid matchup, not like the best one ever. But I'm, I mean, it'll be a fun game. Hopefully, uh, my biggest concern too is the Bengals' offensive line. Can they hold up? Because we saw last year what happens when your O line is uh, struggles. You can it can get away from you really quick, and it got away really quick last year. And uh, we also saw just to go back to the championship game. What Kansas City was doing, what they did to Buffalo, that Cincinnati turned around and did that to them. So it kind of came full circle a little bit, right, uh, with what happened where the coin toss, yeah, they wanted to coin toss in 13 seconds, you know, which is a nightmare for everybody who likes the Bills. But uh, it's just a situation where, like, whatever, what they did to Buffalo, Cincinnati did that to them, right? So it went full circle. But also, uh, obviously, like you said, LA's defense is – substantially better i think than kansas city that's not even close not even in the same galaxy to me um so i think if the o-line can hold up long enough i think that's i think that cincinnati has a has a very very good shot to win this game i just think i would take joe burrow over matt stafford any day of the week i think he just has what it takes he has that swag you know what i mean he's got moxie to use an older word you know what I mean? He just got it. Joe Cool, Joe Smooth, Prairie Dog Burrow, Smoking Joe, whatever you want to call him, right? You know what I mean? He just got that swag, man. He's just that dude. So I feel like I will take him over Stafford because if Stafford hasn't, to me, he hasn't looked amazing. He's been pretty good to okay. Whereas Joe Burrow, even in the games where his stat lines aren't amazing, he's just been great overall in terms of what he's been able to 
overcome to get his team to win. It almost seems like he just kind of refuses to lose. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm going to do everything I possibly can, and we're going to win this game. And also the kicking game for me. I think Matt Gay is a good kicker. I think Evan McPherson is a top three kicker in the league. Like we said, uh, obviously Tucker, I think, is the best kicker of all time. And you could say McPherson is maybe the second best kicker in the league. And I think Daniel Carlson from the Raiders is also is a, is a great kicker, too. Those are probably my top three. Yeah. Robbie top Gold, man. honorable mention. Robbie Gold's there. Robbie Gold's just been around yep. forever. He's just, a, he's just a professional. He's just yep. a veteran. You know what I mean? He'll get it done. He obviously got it done for the Niners when they needed him. Those like he's in that McPherson's definitely to me one of the best kickers in the league already, and he's a rookie for sure. You know, I mean, I think he's going to be who knows, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll have a Justin Tucker type of career, you know what I mean? Just very, very consistent. We'll see, right? Who knows? Sometimes kickers will have a great year, sometimes they'll just fall off. You never know, right? But uh, I don't think he will. I think he he looks like he's just got he's got it all. He's got uh, he's poised out there. We'll see. I think I think it might come down to a situation where they might need him. I, I wouldn't be. Usually with the kicking game, sometimes I'll get a little nervous. If I'm rooting for a particular team, I'll be like, oh, man, I hope they can make it. But with McPherson, I haven't really had that issue so far with the chalet leg. I think uh, he's been uh, – I'm like, oh, he's got this. Especially if it's, you know, inside the fifth, inside of a 50-yard kick with less than 50. I'm like, oh, he's got this. He's automatic. He's money. And he is. You know what I mean? He's been – he's hasn't missed a kick in the playoffs yet. He has the most made field goals for a rookie kicker ever in the playoffs. And uh, he's been a big part too. Like you don't really see the special teams. I like I like the special teams better for Cincinnati than I do for LA. Even though Johnny Hacker is, is maybe the best punter in football, I just think that I'd value the kicking game a little bit more because it can put up points. Even though punters can pin you back, because obviously it's not. It might not come down to a last minute punt. It might come down to a last minute field goal. And I'll trust McPherson over Gay in that. So. I think it's a I think it's a fair matchup. I don't think some people are, are kind of picking like a, this could be a blowout for LA. I don't see that at all. Am I saying that it could be a blowout? I mean, anything could happen, right? Who knows? But uh, I'm sure like a lot of people maybe didn't think that the uh, the Seattle Denver Super Bowl was going to be a huge blowout, or the you know, the number one offense, number one defense, basically, and they got they got you know shelled. Denver, they look terrible. But uh, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a lot closer game than some people are saying. I think the line's only four so for the game. But I think it's a situation where it's going to be interesting. I just trust I trust uh, Cincinnati's quarterback more. And I think, I, I think even though Cooper Cup has had an amazing year and he'll probably have a pretty good game, I, I, just would, I think Jamar Chase is a better receiver from a pure talent point. And you could say, how could you say that Cooper Cup had an amazing season, which he did? I think he's a great receiver. But if we're talking about just a, like amazing, huge talent, you know, like your eyes kind of pop out of your head when you watch him. I just I think Jamar Chase has already established himself in the conversation for one of the best receivers in the league, and he's a rookie. You know, he's at the rookie record for most receiving yards. So I mean, Cooper Cup is amazing. I'm not taking anything away from him at all. I just would. T- I'll take the. I'll take the combo. To put it this way, I'll take the combo of Burrow Chase over Stafford Cup, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, um. Yeah. So what are uh, what are you uh, some of your your overarching thoughts here before we get to the line and we play a little more or less with there the uh, with the line? Uh, what are your, what are some more of your thoughts on in terms of that, or if you want to. Uh, push back on anything I said, or if you feel like there's something that I haven't addressed yet 
that you want to that you think is important it's going to be a key factor in this game for either team one thing that i kind of found interesting and this has nothing to do with i don't know not necessarily anything to do with this Bengals team but the last two times that the Bengals have been in the super bowl were in um i believe in 88 and in 82 um in the 82 team they were led by ken anderson a uh, really good quarterback in the 88 team. I think they were, or it, it was either 88 or it was early nineties. Um, I think it was 88, but they were, uh, that was Boomer Esiason's team. Mm-hmm. Um, both times they played the 49ers in the Super Bowl. So I was kind of looking and I was like, are we going to get a third 49ers Bengals Super Bowl matchup? That would have been kind of funny. Yeah. It would have been interesting. Um, yeah. It would have been would have been interesting. But so I, I would say that probably since you fans since they're they're their own two against them are probably happy that it's the Rams and not the 49ers. <laughs> so I just thought that was kind of funny. I was just kind of looking at these teams like historically, like when they've gone to the Super Bowl. And um, yeah, I think I think you know they've got I think this is gonna be a close game. I mean, I I just don't see any team really winning big now anything could happen of course but i just do think both teams are competent both teams have strengths and weaknesses um i agree with you jamar chase is definitely one of the best receivers in football um which brings up a really great matchup he's going to be going against who i think is one of who i think is the best cornerback in football and jalen ramsey um, and he's kind of considered a shutdown guy. He's a big physical receiver. So that'll be a really fun battle to watch. But I think the, the X factor here is Stafford has Cup. And I guess he has Beckham as the second option. But as we saw in the ASC championship, even if like Jamar Chase isn't necessarily going off, um, you still got T. Higgins. T. Higgins ended up being the the leading receiver for the Bengals. And so, you know, he's he's maybe i don't know one of the best number two receivers in the league in my opinion he's a great receiver in in his own right um and so even if you got ramsey kind of locking up um chase you've still got to deal with t higgins and try to figure out a way to guard him uzama is a very capable uh uh tight end uh boyd is a good slot receiver so i just think they have a lot of weapons it'll really be on ken burrow find the time or get out of the pocket to make the throws because you know his offensive line is not going to be able to match up with this defensive line unless they you know i don't know if you know they're gonna game plan some extra protections you know try to chip donald's you know i don't know what they're gonna do um but there's just a big talent deficit on that side so I do think he's shown he can deal with that and still have a good game. And so I don't think that's going to sink them, but I do think it's going to overall be a close game. Um, I'm looking forward to watching it. The new, uh, the halftime show this year actually looks good for the first time in a long time, honestly, in my opinion. Um, it's just like a bunch of different musicians. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, grabbing a pizza, grabbing some wings, you know, I'm not going to be too emotionally invested in this game. Probably, you know, I love Joe Burrow and I'd love to see him win, but I'm not going to be crushed if he loses because one, they weren't supposed to be here in the first place. Like, this is kind of like, you know, uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's, there's, there's nothing to lose. Like, right. You go out and play as hard as you can. You're a young team. So like you, you're going to be in situations to make it back to the Super Bowl. So 
I wouldn't say I'd be nervous. I'm rooting for the Bengals. Um, you know, I'll obviously dye my uh, beard orange and, you know, paint my chest uh, with some tiger tiger stripes, <laughs> uh, you know, which my I think uh, uh, my, my, my girlfriend, Kirsten, is really excited about that. So, um, yeah, I'll get in the spirit. I'll, I'll eat some pizza. I'll eat some good chicken wings. I'll drink some brew dogs. I'm sure me and you will be texting the whole time. So I just I'm just looking forward to enjoying the game. Um, you know, last year, I, I don't think I did enjoy it as much. Um, just cause you know, it was, just, it was Tom Brady and Mahomes, and I just seen so much of all of them. Um, even though I was happy that the bucks won, I was, I was kind of like, uh, another one of these. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just really, I'm, I'm pumped to watch the game with kind of not having to feel too nervous or too you know, upset about anything or get too worked up. I'll, I'll just enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of really, you made a lot of really great points for me. We're going over the big, the big motives here or the big uh, units of this game. I think, uh, I don't think the offense is as slanted towards LA as a lot of people would want you to think. I, no, I, I think, I think, since I think since he's off, uh, receiving core is better than LA's me too, especially yeah. without Robert Woods. I think if you had if they had Robert Woods and uh, Beckham and Cup, then you could say oh, to me it would be a tie. But I think without Woods and Jefferson's been struggling, he had a lot of drops. Yeah. And I think Uzoma. I think they have. I think since he has the advantage with the receiving core, we've said it several times this year. I think since he has one of the best receiving cores in the league, very very underrated. Hopefully, I mean now they're on the biggest stage, so they maybe they won't be underrated anymore outside of Chase. So I like their. I like. Their advantage there. I think the tight end advantage there's better. Tyler Higby's obviously not going to play. Uzoma said there's no way he's going to miss the biggest game of his life. Uh, so we'll see. He had a knee injury, but I think yeah he'll play. And even if he's not a hundred percent, I think even the fact that he's on the field, he can be kind of a security blanket for Joe Burrow if he has to get rid of the ball quick and dump it off. You know what I mean? It could be beneficial. So I like their advantage there. I think advantage is the defense is LA is is the better defense, but I think. I think since his defense is hot right now, so the advantage maybe isn't as isn't as strong as it would be normally there. Uh, I mean, O-line, I think it's night and day. Obviously, LA's O-line is significantly better. I think that's mm-hmm. the biggest weakness for Cincy, like we talked about. Their O-line has to hold up. He has to have time to throw the ball. And uh, I like the running game more on Cincy. I, li- I like the mix and P-Ryan combo more than than acres and you no know, sony michelle and you know uh that type of that combo even though you could say that uh acres michelle is a more talented group than mixon p ryan because i mean obviously acres and michelle i think are both better than p ryan and mixon yeah. mixon's a, a very very good back i just think that i like I like. I think they're able to. They're more effective in their running game. I think than than LA has really been able to be all year. It's kind of been up and down for them, where it's been very inconsistent. So I feel like if you become one dimensional, it's going to hurt you in the long run, or it could hurt you in the long run, as we see with uh, Kansas City. To me, they're a very very one dimensional team, and sometimes it works well. Sometimes it doesn't work, like we see. Right? If you can't run the ball, you're going to have a hard time. Some team's going to make you pay for it. Right? We saw that with uh, the Niners. They're a run-oriented team, and when you can't run the ball effectively, then you're going to lose, right? So I don't – I get, and special teams, like we talked about, I think Cincy's special teams is better too. 
Am I think? Do I think that since he's gonna it's gonna be a blowout and for Cincinnati? No, I'm not taking anything away from LA. They obviously are here for a reason, but I don't think, from what I've been hearing from some analysts and you know people you know talking heads, is that uh, OLA is clearly the better team. They should win this handily, and I'm like. I'm like I don't I don't did I, did I watch something different you know what I mean have we they probably different? said the same thing about Tennessee and Kansas City yeah they said <laughs> it about Kansas City are. last year even though they, their line was their line was battered that they were every, every nobody very few people that I've seen I mean there were people but not as many people picked picked Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay dominated that game so I mean don't don't basically the, the lesson here for me is don't don't buy the hype don't believe the hype on this one it's going to be a better game I think than we than we think it could be. And to be real, I could be way off on this. If it was to be a, a, a route, I, I like Cincinnati's chance better for it to be a route than LA. I don't think it'll be a route either way. It's going to be a close game. But I think I'd like the Bengals' chance of making it a route more than LA's. That's just me. Uh, coaching is the final thing. Uh, to me, the coaching is pretty even. I know Sean McVay is the boy wonder. But I'll keep it real. I'm not really a big Sean McVay fan. I think he's I think he's overrated in some aspects. I think Kyle Shanahan's overrated in some aspects. I kind of called him out in last week's show. Uh, you know, I think they both didn't coach very well, and the LA, you know, their their defense was able to carry him there. So, but McVay was getting out coached handily. You know, what I mean, but I think a lot of times uh, he he's not he hasn't been as great in the big game when they need him to be, but. Uh, We'll do a little fun more or less with that one. The last time the Super Bowl didn't go very well for them at all. I'll just put it that way. So we'll see. And maybe he redeems himself. We'll see. But I'm not the biggest fan. And even if he does win, I'm, I'll am i give him his due, his credit. Obviously, it's hard to win the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, there's 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 ways that your, your players can kind of bring you to that. I'm not making this comparison because I think he's far and above a better coach. But we have seen guys like Mike McCarthy win a Super Bowl because he had amazing talent. Right, Sean Doug McVay and Mike, Ma- yeah. yeah, Doug Peterson, yeah, uh, guys that I don't think are—they're not the greatest coaches to me. I think McCarthy is an awful coach. I think Peterson is a slightly below average to have below average coach to me. I think I just, let's just be real—he's a below average coach. I think McVay is a good coach, but let's see if he can be a great coach. If that makes any sense, I know a lot yeah. of people are like you're crazy, McVay. I mean, Taylor's his protege. Obviously, he's off the McVay tree, and we see the McVay and the Shanahan trees are really hot right now, which we'll get to next week. But um, yeah, it's just I'm just I'm, I'm just keeping it real. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. You know, you can disagree with me. Anybody can disagree. I totally respect that. I feel you. But from what I've seen, let's see if he can win the big game. He hasn't shown he can do it yet, right? He has another opportunity to do so. He has a be- he has a better quarterback now, significantly better. And uh, we'll see what happens, right? He still ha- kind of has a. He has, uh, you know, Aaron Donald's still there. So we'll see what happens, right? But uh, for me, I definitely don't think that uh, it's going to be a, a huge favor in L.A., and I think Cincinnati has some more advantages in terms of uh, individual units to me than um, L.A. does. And I think uh, for the halftime show, I think it's pretty I think it's, it's pretty dope, I guess. Uh, I'm really excited to see uh, – I don't know if I'm really excited, but I, I really do enjoy uh, Slim Shady. He's one of my favorite rappers. I like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, Snoop Doggy Dog is a legend, obviously. Of course. Dr. Yeah. Dre's, you know, personal stuff aside, he's one of the best. Uh, he's one of the best uh, producers of all time, and I do enjoy that. I like N.W.A. Obviously, he was a big, a major part of that. 
And, you know, I love that West Coast sound for rapping. You know, I think it's dope. So I'm I'm, I'm fans of all of them, of them three for sure. Uh, Mary J. Blige is fine. I like some of her music. She's cool. Um, she's kind of like the odd person out in terms of like I don't really see the connection to the other ones. I mean, obviously, yeah. You, you know, you know, Snoop Doggy Dog, and I still call him Snoop Doggy Dog. So I think that sounds more fun than just Snoop Dog. So Snoop Doggy Dog, I think is uh, obviously he's West Coast. You know, Dre is West Coast. And then of course Dre, Kendrick Lamar. Is yeah, Dre. Yeah, Dre Slim discovered Slim Shady, so that makes sense. And then Kendrick Lamar is obviously a Cali guy, yeah. so that Compton guy that makes sense. You know what I mean? So uh, the Mary J. Blige one doesn't doesn't uh, make as much sense to me. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm not really too big into like the you know, the very contemporary music, like what's been going on right now, as much. But uh, hey, she's she she has a nice voice. She's a good singer. So I think it'll be fun, and I'm happy to see, you know, uh, happy to see a pretty uh, diverse group. So we got like a little bit of some OGs in the rap game. We got some, you know, some more contemporary artists and everything in between. So I think it'll be fun. It's definitely better than last year's, which I thought was absolutely awful. I did not get the choice, um, but I like this one at least thematically. It makes sense. So I think it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I think it's no, it'll be it's in LA. So we have another situation where. There had never been a there had never been a team to uh, play in a Super Bowl if it was hosted at their home stadium, and now we have back to back years where that happened, which is funny how things work, right? So we'll see. What well, LA? I think they're tech. They're the away team. They're technically the away team, but they're at home. Yeah. So they're gonna have to be team. in the away locker room. Yeah, yeah. And the which away is usually not room, as nice yeah. in their own yeah. stadium. <laughs> the what away do, locker room think? is like all everything's like the equipment. Everything's all beat up for that. What do you think the breakdown's going to be of Cincy fans versus Rams fans? Because LA, because these teams are new to LA. I mean, the Rams had a presence there further back, but you know, the the thing all kind of since since the Chargers and the Rams moved to LA is like their home games aren't really home games because the OA team fans and I just feel like the Cincinnati fans have been so hungry for this and like they're just going to show up. Like, so I think it's going to be closer to 50 50 than people are expecting. I don't know if they're, I don't think LA is just not really a football town in terms of pro football, to be honest. So I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. I don't think, I think it's going to be pretty even. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, I would lean, um, like 55, 45 Cincy, maybe 60, 40 Cincy, just because I feel like the, I don't know, let's just, let's just, you know, call it what it is. I think this, the Bengals fans are just a better fan base overall because they've been there for much longer. You know what I mean? And they're hungry. And I think in LA, like I said, I don't really think it's a football town yet, even though their teams are successful for the most part. And uh, it was predominantly Niners fans at the championship game. Exactly. Uh, hearing from mm-hmm. people who went to, the game, they said it was a lot, ton of Niners fans. They think they said it was like seven out of ten fans were Niners fans, which we know obviously mm-hmm. the Niners fans are a, a really loyal fan base, and obviously so is the Bengals fan base. So I think I think the Bengals fans might slightly outnumber. So I think it'll be like I don't know, fifty-five or sixty percent Bengals, forty per forty, you know, forty forty-five percent Rams per capita, and then whatever you want to say, the rest of them will just be random celebrities and people who wanted to go to the game and stuff like that. But if we're talking about just people who are fans of each team, who do I think will be there more? I think the Bengals fans will be there more. Um, But I think it's just going to be a lot of – it won't be really a home field advantage for either team. 
to be real. Yeah, I just think it's 20, 25 percent yeah. of the fans, like you said, are gonna be just celebrities, going to the game. They're rich celebrities, people. Yeah, yeah, rich yeah people, rich people who can afford. And also, the, the tickets yeah. are unbelievable. You know what I mean? They are crazy, crazy expensive. Yeah. So uh, you have to, you know, you got to have bank to even go there. So yeah. it is a really cool stadium. I yeah, mean, it, it, it hurts an amazing stadium. So I mean, yeah. it'll be a great experience to go. I mean, obviously, if uh, if if either one of us had the means, we would go. You know what I mean? Why not? But like, yeah. uh, some it'll be a dope stadium to visit one day for one of us to go to. I'd like to go to it. That one and the one in Vegas too, which is going to host the Super Bowl too soon. Uh, the the Vegas uh, uh, arena, Allegiant Field, I think it's called. Yeah, Allegiant. Yeah, yeah. Allegiant Field is called um, top of my head. But so yeah, it'll be fun. So we've pretty much broken down everything. So let's get on to uh, let's do a little bit of uh, bringing back another segment that we love that we haven't done in a while because there hasn't really been an opportunity to do so necessarily. But let's uh, let's let's throw it back with uh, a little more or less. So I'll, I'll kick it off with a, 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 an easy one here, homie. So uh, last time the Sean McVay and the Curly Horns were in the Super Bowl, they scored three points. So uh, three and a half points, more or less. The Rams score three and a half points, more or less. I'm, <laughs> I had to I'm, do it, man. I had to. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a more or a p more on this one. Uh, that Rams team. Um, probably had a better offense throughout the year, but um, that uh, that Patriots defense was really good. Um, you know, all the credit to this Bengals D, and they've stepped up, but like that was like a dominant defense, um, and really like Coach Corpse really just like put Sean McVay in in the in like a coaching tutorial basically. Um, so I'm definitely going to go more than that. I think they can put up more points than three and a half. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to very, very confidently say more. Um, <laughs> I think if it's less, I think the Rams are going to be embarrassed and they are going to get uh, destroyed the next day on the national media if they only score three points. Yep. Because the whole narrative would be, you gave up. You mortgaged your future for all these guys, including Matthew Stafford, because you said Jared Goff couldn't get it done, and you scored the exact same points or maybe even less than you did the first time you went there. I, oh, my God. I think it would be an absolute disaster. I think people would be calling for Sean McVay's job. <laughs> they scored yeah. three points or less. I think it would be a disaster. I mean, it would be funny to see him. You know, let's just keep it real. But, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. There's just no way. I yeah. would be absolutely stunned if they scored less they scored three points or less i really would but um yeah so that was just a fun one just you know poke fun but uh the next one let's get to the uh the one's a little bit harder so the over under for this game so far uh the curly horns are a four point favorite uh, at home but not the home team like we said so the over under is uh 48 and a half points so, homie, more or less for the total score of the game, 48 and a half. So, I am going more on this as well. Um, my final, my, my score prediction for this game is um, 26 to 23, which puts me at 49. Um, so, just over. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with more on this one. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go less on this one. Okay. My score, my total score only averages out to an even 40. 
So I have, uh, I think it's not going to be as high scoring of a game. Uh, I think both defenses, one of them is great, and one of them has, you know, been playing very well and they're hot. And I think that'll kind of dictate the game who can kind of overcome the defense. And I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. So my total score is 40. So I'm going to go less on this one. For All that. right. And um, anything else you want to get into before we make our final picks? And then we'll pick our Super Bowl MVP for the, the first um, uh, P. Moore Super Bowl special. Anything, no, we're missing, I think anything we're missing here? We hit the halftime show. I think we hit it all, right? I mean, everything yeah. we wanted to hit at least. We probably missed something, of course. but No, I think we've uh, we've hit, you know, I think we've hit all the main points. And, you know, we've been covering both these teams for the last couple of weeks throughout the playoffs. So, uh, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'd love to see the Bengals win. Um, I think that would be such a cool story. But, you know, I'm going to enjoy it either way. Yeah, and we got the Bengals are wearing the black uniforms like they wore oh. for the last time they were in the Super Bowl. They were in the black jerseys with the with the, the orange or the orange. Mm-hmm. And um, I want I'm, I want to say, I could be wrong on this, but last time I saw, I want to say the Curly Horns are wearing the whites, I think. Whites? I, I think it's yeah, the whites. Sometimes they wear those blues. It yeah. could be the blues, too. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Last time I heard okay. people were saying they were going to wear the whites, but it could be the blues. Who knows? So I could look like a fool for this. It is what it is. But uh, either way, uh, I think uniform uniform uh, or jersey jersey love goes to Cincinnati on this as well. So I'm not a yeah. fan of the curly horns jerseys. They look like no to be to keep it on it. I think they look really cheap to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? They do. They the had numbers a good look like, logo. like cheap. Like what? Like what? Like uh, like like for teams that can't afford the uniforms, and they got to like cut costs. That's what they look like from to me at least. I like the older uniforms they had. Where they yeah, had the curly too. horn that actually had curly horns. Yeah, and it was on and the, the side logo of the helmet. was actually a yeah. ram. The logo now looks like a goat. To be real, it looks <laughs> like a goat. It doesn't look like a ram to me. I like yeah. the, I like the older one. So I was more a fan of the gold with the with the navy that they had mm-hmm. yeah. than this uh, this uh, what would you say royal right. blue royal blue yeah. and yellow. Yeah, I like yeah. the gold and navy better. Like the uh, where they had like the Marshall Falk type of rams. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. that's, that's the more Same look here. that I'm used to. Um, but yeah, so we'll take we'll take the night. We'll take the uh, the Bengals and uh, you know you're obviously you love orange, one of your favorite colors. So uh, we'll roll with that. Too. I'll have the orange beard. I'll have the and, orange you know, beard. Yeah, you know we're all about logos and jerseys and uniform colors and all the stuff that yeah. and the, and the grand scheme of things means nothing, but it's fun <laughs> to talk about. Uh, yeah, so we'll go with that too. So advantage uh, Bengals on uh, logo uniforms and whatever, all the fun stuff. So yeah, so. Um, I'll uh, I'll go first, I guess, for the for the Super Bowl pick. Um, based on everything I've said, I don't think it should be a surprise who I'm going to go with. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to go with Cincinnati Bengals twenty three, Los Angeles Rams seventeen. So I have Bengals winning this game twenty three seventeen, and my Super Bowl MVP surprise surprise is going to be. No, Joe Cool, Joe Smooth, Prairie Dog Burrow, Smoking Joe, whatever you want to call him, Joe Burrow will be is my pick for Super Bowl MVP. How about you, homie? What is your pick and who is your Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, so um my Super Bowl pick is I've got the Bengals beating the uh the LA Rams 26-23. 
And, you know, I obviously think Joe Burrow is going to probably win the MVP. He's the quarterback. He's been great. But for the sake of just spicing the show up, I'm going to make officially my pick a little different. I'm going with Evan the Chalet Leg McPherson for Super Bowl MVP. I want I I'm gonna I want to see this dude kick another four field goals, hit a game winner again, and win the Super Bowl MVP. If a rookie kicker won the Super Bowl MVP, it would be amazing. So I'm going with uh with McPherson. <laughs> nice. Would that be a, that would have to be a first, right? Like kicker has never I think won so. Super Bowl MVP. It, no, a kicker, I don't think a kicker ever like because <laughs> if they were, I feel like Vinatieri probably deserved some, you know, in, in yeah. those those first earlier path Super Bowls, but he never did. Though I don't know, a lot of his kicks came in like the AFC divisional and conference championships. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously he had he had some to win the Super Bowl, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be a first. So that is that is bold. So what I'm what I'm telling you is that your 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 uh, your brain's telling you Joe Burrow, but your heart's telling you the chalet leg. Okay. Yeah. So if it is Burrow, if both of us are right next week, I'll, I'll give you that one. You'll say you were right, but your heart is saying okay. McPherson. Your heart's saying McPherson. You want you want to You're see more... some chalet leg love. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Good love to the kicker. He's been fantastic. Yeah. You know, we've been, we've been definitely we've been definitely giving him a lot of love. So that that's dope. Yeah. I like that. I like that you went yeah. uh, outside the box with that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, any closing thoughts on the, uh, our uh, segment before we move on? Nope. Uh, just looking forward to the game. Hope all the listeners get to enjoy it. You know, uh, whatever you do on the Super Bowl, it's a lot of times it's you know a good time for family, spending time with family and friends. I, I tend to go more like I tend to I used to do that kind of stuff, but I usually watch the Super Bowl by myself with my girlfriend who's half paying attention. You know, <laughs> usually just just on my own, I'll order a pizza, order some wings, have a nice quiet night. Um, I think it's fun to watch it with other people, but I, you know, I I I, I also really enjoy I've always really enjoyed watching it on my own as well. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, if we were still in the same um, same area like we used to be, then yeah, obviously I think we'd watch it together. Just probably just me For and sure. you, just me and you and um, your partner and stuff. But uh, I think it's um, yeah, I'm gonna do the same. It's pretty much just gonna chill, watch the game. Me and you would be texting the whole time, basically. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Watch it with uh, you know you and another friend. We'll be there, right? We'll watch it. We'll check it out. But yeah, I'm just the same thing. I keep it pretty chill. Like I said, I used to watch it with my grandma. Surprisingly, that's like a really crazy thing. It's like, yeah, like I told, I said this before. My grandma's a huge football fan, and I used to watch it with her. My mom would get like fried chicken, um, and my because my grandma loved fried chicken, she'd order that, and we'd you know eat that, have fun. It was great. It was a lot of fun. You wouldn't think that watching it, but um, my grandma was a little bit younger. Um, she uh, she was only uh, I want to say she was nineteen when she had my mom, so she wasn't significantly older. Uh, you know what I mean? So when I was in my 20s, my grandma was only in her 60s, I want to say. So it wasn't like a huge gap, as you, as you might think, with a grandparent. But yeah, so that's who I used to watch it with. But obviously, unfortunately, she's no longer here. But uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, she was a Niners fan, so she would have been very disappointed that they didn't make it. That's what I think about every time that they don't win. I'm like, oh, man, she would have been so disappointed. Uh. But, uh, <laughs> but hey, man, let's, let's have a good time to all of our listeners. I, I hope you enjoy the game. Have fun. Be safe, uh, you know, enjoy it with the people you love, even if just by yourself, just you by yourself. Get some good food, you know, drink some 
you know, you know, drink some some uh, some cold ones or some brews like my homie does here. Or if you want to be like me, you don't drink, you just you know grab a nice cold fizz or whatever, whatever makes you happy. Have a good time, right? That's what it's all about. Have a good time, and even if you just like the halftime show, check out the halftime show. Hopefully, it's a good one. We'll see, but it should be fun. Uh, that's going to cap off our uh, our first ever annual Pmore Super Bowl special. Hopefully, nice. you know. If everything goes the way we want it to go in our plans, we will be back next year for the second one. This is our first one, so we appreciate you listening to that. And now we're going to move on to the segment that we all know and hopefully you love. Uh, I'll, I'll kick it over to uh, to my homie, and he can kind of walk us through that one as he usually does. All right. Time for our ball of the week. So, yeah, where he's going to pick – who we thought was the slimiest person in the sports world uh, this past week. There were, again, so many candidates uh, this week. Now, um, there are a couple that I really wanted to do that I'm not going to because we actually are going to do some more segments. So there was an NBA trade that I really want to talk about because one of the teams was just absolutely moronic. Um, but we're going to trade that for or save that for a trade deadline. I did want to talk about kind of some of the coaching hire stuff and some of the stuff that was happening there. But I think you might talk about that a bit and we might we might go over that in um, in the 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 coaching hire segment that we'll probably do next week. So um, and then the, the other finalist was I was going to talk about Alvin Kamara got into trouble in Vegas, got himself arrested. I just don't, I don't need to talk about that. It's just, you know, be smart when you're not playing your sport. Don't be a jerk. Um, And I just, I don't know. I want to keep it lighter. Maybe don't, don't want to talk about guys, you know, getting in legal trouble and stuff like that. But that was really disappointing. So that's an honorable mention. But ultimately my uh, slime ball of the week is going to look pretty similar to my slime ball two weeks ago. Um, so you'll remember I had Grayson Allen on there. He had a really dirty foul that ended up hurting, um, that ended up hurting Alex Caruso and breaking his wrist. Um, so I called him out on that. Um, this week, my it's a very similar situation. Um, and this is someone who I think we've mentioned on the show before, someone I'm not a huge fan of in general as well. Um, but basically, um, basically, uh, Yesterday or two two nights ago, I can't exactly remember, Memphis Grizzlies were playing the L.A. Clippers, and John Morant um, was going in, you know, soar into the hoop like he does in, in midair, you know, leaping to the rim. And Marcus Morris just kind of levels him mid-jump, mid um, lays him out, um, you know, jaws on the ground, gets up, he shoots his free throws, he kind of, he, I liked how he responded after the game. He shook it off. He goes, no, I got up. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, don't need to worry about me. I'm not making anything of it. But I am going to make something of it because Marcus Morris is a dirty player. Him and his brother are both dirty players, and they do this shit all the freaking time. They're constantly out there trying to hurt dudes. And there's no other way to put it. They're trying to hurt someone. Um, it was the same thing when Markeith, who has already been featured on the slime ball, elbowed Jokic in the ribs and got himself <laughs> taken out on a stretcher um, for doing that. Um, 
it, and it's the same thing with Marcus. They've been doing this their entire NBA career. They play dirty. They and and there's I, I want to be clear to the listeners. There's a difference between playing physical and playing dirty. Playing physical, you're making basketball plays, right? You're trying to go for the ball. You're trying to stop this or that. The things these guys are doing are not at all basketball. They they don't resemble any kind of defense. They're clearly just trying to throw their weight around. They're big dudes. I get it. Like they're strong. They think they're tough guys. So they 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 want to do that. And you know, it may seem I, I'm reading a book about the '90s Knicks, and this is something that they did a lot of too, quite frankly. And like the Bad Boys Pistons, and things were really physical back then as well. Um, but the game's changed. Dudes do not like that. It's just that's not part of the game because too many fights started that way. That's what led us to like really bad situations like Malice in the Palace, all that kind of crap, right? So the league has really tried to to tamp down on that because they don't want to see any more brawls. But some guys just don't get the message. And so you still have the Morris brothers out here making dirty plays once a season. Um, now, Marcus Morris got tossed for that play. Um, I was happy to see him tossed. Um, but, yeah, I'm just kind of sick of it. I'm sick of these guys who – don't do anything except chuck shots and take dirty shots at players. Um, you know, maybe they're good guys. I know they've they've overcome a lot of adversity to get where they are, um, but it doesn't mean you get to act like an asshole every game. I'm sorry. Uh, so my slime ball of the week is Marcus Morris. Um, that's the second Boris twin who has appeared on a slime ball. So um you know we'll see they they i wouldn't be surprised if they're back there again they are uh well they're dirty players and dirty players are gonna end up on my slime ball list a lot so yeah yeah so we had uh we had markeith earlier for you know making a run at the mvp and now we have his brother marcus morris so first brother each- son first yeah brothers for, it's that's a that's a helmets hoops and homies first the first brothers <laughs> To separately be selected to the uh, the rather dubious honor of uh, slime ball of the week, so I feel you. I went back and watched it again, like I did with the Grayson Allen one, just so I can see it, you know, slow down and everything uh, as well. And uh, from watching it, it, it's very obvious to me that he wasn't even going for the ball; he just slapped him in the face. Like if you look at his eyes, to me, and when he goes up, he aims straight for his face. He's not going for the ball at all. I don't know if you saw the same thing, my guy, but that's what I saw. It was a very, it was completely dirty play to me, and I'm glad he got tossed out. And I think, um, I think uh, John Morant is just he's dope for just being like, yo, I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. Let's, you know, basically, let's play ball. You know what I mean? It's all good. It is what it is. So um, I'm glad he was okay. And I think Morris, you know, I agree with you. They're dirty players. I don't really care what they say. And uh, Morris hasn't been very good this year. Yes, he wasn't that great last year. Like, he, he kind of shot the clip out of some games last year. You know what I mean? Especially in that that series with the Mavs, kind of shot him out of some games where he's just like he, you said. He's done. He's done that to a lot of teams. Yeah. Yeah, and ask, he was he was, he was on your Celtics. Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Ask the Boston Celtics fans about that too. Yeah. yeah he's, 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 I think games. I think uh, him even more so. I think than Markeith. All right, they're yes. shot chuckers. Him more so as a shot chucker. He can shoot you out of the game or shoot you into one. It all depends on what's going on, how he's feeling that night in terms of what's if his shot's falling. But yeah, so um 
not the biggest fans. We'll get to the trade deadline thing, but it would have been nice to maybe see him get moved from the clubs, but it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. Good pick on that one. It was well-deserved. Uh, I, I also, your honorable mentions, I completely agree. Football players and just athletes in general, I wish they would just be smarter, more responsible, and just the, the biggest thing I can sum it down to is don't be selfish or stupid or irresponsible, man. Be smarter. Be smarter, not stupid, not selfish, not irresponsible. You know what I mean? You only get so many years at this, like we say, don't jeopardize your money and your career for a lot of incidents, not all of them, but I'd say almost all of them, they could be avoided. Then they could have been avoided. That's all I can say. And I'm very, very disappointed to to see this continue to happen. You know what I mean? It's it's a real shame. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Like you said, I want to keep it lighter. Uh, this one's not exactly light, but it's something that I think I, I felt like I had to talk about this. It's um, something that me and you have been talking about a lot. I addressed it on the show last week with the Slime Ball of the Week. We are going to do a a ranking of the head coaching hires because they will all be finalized at the Super Bowl. So next week we'll do our rankings of the nine head coaching spots and we'll go from worst to best, I guess you could say, from nine to one of the head coaching hires in the NFL. And uh, this is involving that. So... We saw, and I won't get into the hires necessarily, just be what the response was. So we saw that Lovey Smith was hired as the head coach of the Texans. And obviously another candidate for that job was Brian Flores. So I talked about Brian Flores last week. Uh, I kept it as real as I could about it. I think what he's doing, I said it was brave. I commended him for what he was doing. It was definitely career jeopardizing to do that, but it's commendable. He should be commended for it. But at the same time, I, I'm not really a fan of him. I don't like, um, I don't like his personality doesn't really vibe with me. Like if I was looking for a coach, he wouldn't be the type of dude I would want to hire just because from everything I'm seeing, especially with this, which I'll get into, it just seems like he's not really that, that great of a dude to work with. You feel me? So like, um, I think he's, I think he's an average coach. If you look at his record, even with two winning seasons back to back, he's been, He's still two games under 500 overall. And I think that um, this, is a, this is a situation where I was very disappointed, and but it doesn't necessarily surprise me given what I, how I already felt about it. But I did say, like, look, I, he's, he's brave for doing it. He's commend, he should be commended, and I do commend him, respect him for what he's doing with the lawsuit. I believe most – I said all or probably most of what he's alleging probably took transpired in some capacity, maybe not exactly how we said it, but I do think the hiring practices are definitely flawed and yeah. the tanking things, the tanking things real. Let's be real. We saw another coach yeah. who got a job, uh, which we'll talk about next week, basically outright tank either for personal reasons or for a draft gain, which we, me and you both know what we talked about. And we were mad last year about it because it was obvious tanking and everybody called it out and he still got a job. So we'll talk about that next week. And you know who I'm talking about, my guy. But, um, yeah, so the tanking thing is legit. We see that in sports. It is what it is. So, and it's it's wrong. We joke about we trust the process. I'm talking about Joel Embiid. We both love Joel Embiid, the process. Uh, tanking, in terms of the process, trust the process for tanking. That's really stupid. But trust the process in terms of the nickname and what came of it, yeah. And, obviously, tanking doesn't always work, as we see with the, like, Markel Fultz and stuff. They worked with Joel Embiid. He's a generational talent, but... 
doesn't always work, especially when you got a lottery, right? So yeah, so that's wrong. But um, yeah, like I said, like he's not. I think there's so many better hires that could have been than him, and I, I named them. But let me just get into what, why Brian Flores is my slime ball of the week. You know, something I didn't want to do, but I felt like I had to because I didn't think this was right. So, obviously, Lovey Smith was hired. This is his. He's the first. I want to say he's the first coach of color, especially the first African American coach, to be uh, hired as a head coach for three separate franchises or at least three separate times. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, he's. I want to say he's the first coach of color ever to do that. Uh, if I'm sense. wrong, please let me know, but I'm, I'm pretty darn sure that's what it is. So just the headline for this is, and this is from um, CBS Sports. This It says, lawyers say Texans only hired Lovey Smith over Brian Flores due to NFL lawsuit. GM Nick Caserio refutes claim. So when I saw this, my brother Deuce, who was on our show, actually sent me this, and I was I was I was heated when he sent me this because I think I don't I did not like it at all. It's a bad look. So uh, this is this is what um, uh, Mr. Flores, Coach Flores's um, legal representation said. So I'm going to read this as, as a quote. It says, "Mr. Flores is happy to hear that the Texans have hired a black head coach, Lovey Smith." As Mr. Flores' goal in bringing his case is to provide real opportunities for black and minority candidates to be considered for coaching and executive positions within the NFL. Attorneys Douglas H. Wigder and John uh, Alefdarakis wrote, forgive me if I pronounced those names wrong. However, we would be remiss not to mention that Mr. Flores was one of the three finalists for the Texans head coach position. And after a great interview and mutual interest, it is obvious that the only reason Mr. Flores was not selected was his decision to stand up against racial inequality across the NFL. So that's the end of the quote. And um, when I when I read this, I was heated because I think I was very angry. And the reason why I was angry about it, and I'm so angry about it, is this is a perfect example of what I try to live my life by the best I can. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Do not say that you are all for making sure that coaches of color get opportunities to coach, to be head coaches of football teams. And then when one of them gets hired, but it's not you because they're a better candidate than you, you're mad about it. And you're going to basically throw shade at them like, oh, well, at least they didn't hire a white guy. But, yo, it should have been me. No, that's not the way it works, man. You're either about it or you're not about it. Like, Don't talk about it. Be about it. You should have just been like, congrats to Lovey Smith. We're obviously done. He didn't even have to say anything. Just be like, yo, congrats to Lovey Smith. I'm glad to see a coach of color get the job. And leave it at that. We know you're disappointed. You thought it should have been you. But to be real, how are you a better candidate than Lovey Smith? Like, I went through this. This, this might be this might be brutal, but I don't really care. Because I feel like he brought this upon himself. Like, uh, I'll ask you, homie. How many, how many Super Bowls has Brian Flores been to as a head coach of a football team? Zero. Zero. How many how many uh, conference championship games has Brian Flores been to as a head coach of a football team? Zero. How many division titles has he won as a head coach? Zero. How many playoff wins has he been won as a head coach? Zero. Yeah, exactly. How many times has Brian Flores won coach of the year as a head coach of a football team? Zero. Yeah. So he's a better candidate because – because he's younger? Is that why? I guess. He's younger. He wins that race. 
Lovey Smith, you say what you want. He was with the Bears for nine, almost a decade. And the Bears have been, yeah, they had the little run, but they, you know, obviously the missed field goal by Cody Parkey when they, they were a number one seed, whatever, or when they were a high seed. I believe they were number one, but if I'm wrong, forgive me. They were a high seed and they were projected to go to the Super Bowl after people haven't gone to the Super Bowl and they tanked as usual. That's what the Bears do, right? But uh, the Bears haven't really been right, you know, since Lovey Smith was there. Uh, I'm a huge Lovey guy, so I could be slightly biased in this. Uh, I was, I didn't agree with their decision to fire him. I wasn't um, irate about it. I'm like, look, I disagree. I think it's a, I think they shouldn't have fired him. But I think all things considered, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's kind of like with Tom Coughlin, like we had talked about. I wasn't, uh, I didn't agree with the Tom Coughlin getting fired by the Giants because I think he kind of earned that, especially with a couple Super Bowl wins. He earned that job, but some more leeway. But been there for a while. You want a new voice. It is what it is, right? And then we saw what happened from what the Bears have done for then, and it's been pretty terrible. But uh, yeah, like Lovey Smith has, has been, he took the team to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as his quarterback. He had an um, amazing defense. And he had um, possibly two Hall of Famers on that defense, if not more, in the future. We'll see. Ryan Erlacher is obviously a Hall of Famer. And uh, on that special teams, and that special teams unit, he had uh, Devin Hester was on his team. You know, kind of just a guy thought it would be a gimmick guy. He turned out to be the best returner ever, you know, in football. And he's up for the Hall of Fame, and maybe he'll make it. It would be great to see him make it because uh, we haven't seen a really a guy like that make the soup, make the Hall of Fame. So he had that. He took a team to the Super Bowl. They went to multiple conference championship games, and they would they should have went to another Super Bowl. I know should have, would have, could have. But uh, Jay Cutler got hurt, and they had to bring in Caleb Haney, who didn't even last in the year. He didn't even last in the league a, a few years, and he was out of the league. So – and the Packers still barely squeaked by in that one. So, you know, there's that. He's won several division titles. The Bears haven't won a North in God knows how long since Lovey was there, I want to say. Uh, you know what I mean? Obviously, with the Matt Nagy situation, they won it then. But have they really have they really been, you know, a, a team that people fear? Not really. You know what I mean? Lovey's a defensive guy. I get it. But he, he's on, he won Coach of the Year. He was, uh, you know, he had the... Super Bowl. He went against Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning with Rex Grossman as your quarterback. I mean, what do you really want? You know what I mean? You could say the same thing for uh, you could say the same thing for maybe uh, uh, for Sean McVay. Great defense, but he had Jared Goff as his quarterback, right? And you know me, I'm not a Sean McVay guy, but I get it. You know what I mean? The quarterback it was it was so slanted in the other way. What are you gonna do, right? One guy had, you know, Coach Corpse had the greatest quarterback of all time. He had Jared Goff. Lovey Smith had Rex Grossman, Sexy Rexy, they used to call him. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tony Dungy had uh, Peyton Manning. So what are you going to do with that, right? And Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. You know what I mean? And uh, I want to say Edger and James was on was the running back on that team. The team was loaded on offense. Bears defense was great, but, you know, Rex Grossman. It is what it is. And I like Rex Grossman. I don't hate him. We went to a Super Bowl. It's great. But still, you get what I'm saying, right? Very accomplished yeah. coach. I mean, you could say it didn't go good in, in, in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, they won two games, and they won six games. I think that when they won two games, I want to say they drafted famous Jameis the next year, and they went six and ten. I mean, Bruce Arians went seven and nine his first year in Tampa Bay with Jameis. So, you know what I mean? And Bruce Arians obviously a Super Bowl-winning coach. So, uh, I mean, obviously his team was more talented. But, hey, you know, 
He got a couple years. They got rid of him. I get it. I think it was too short of a leash, especially with a rookie quarterback, but it is what it is. We see it's a pretty common occurrence with coaches of color, so it is what it is. He went to Illinois. He wasn't very successful there, but I think just based off of what he's done uh, with the Bears, the type of the type of man that he is, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about him from a, a personal standpoint. Uh, everybody, I, a lot of people I've heard who've been on the Bears or other teams he's coached have said he's you know he's a really great guy, great coach. You know, I, I enjoyed playing with him. Right, I'm sure there's some people who don't like him, like there is for everybody, but. I don't see you know scores of people coming out saying oh yeah and he was a slime ball or whatever. Lovey Smith seems like a real, you know, a real stand up dude. You know what I mean? And I like him. So this rubbed me the wrong way for that. But just to be real, like how are you going to talk about you're about you know you know writing uh, inequity amongst races and you know and then when the, then when a coach of color who's accomplished his resume speaks for itself. You know what I mean? Gets the job. You're gonna hate on him for it because you wanted it because you're because je- you're jealous and you think it should be you. So like I would ask you, Brian Flores, like who do you think you are? Like what kind of coach do you think you are? Like do you think you're you're Coach Belichick? Because you're not. Yeah, you were successful with him, but a lot of guys were successful with him. And at the end of the day, like until you can prove me wrong, you're to I think you're an average coach. I really think you are. And I don't like your personalities. I don't like your personality. I just don't. It doesn't seem like you're not the type of dude I feel like I would vibe with. I just don't. I, I'm not a fan. I'm really not. This was disappointing. It was kind of like the last nail in the coffin for me. Uh, I, I think like the he's been getting so much love that I think is unwarranted in terms of his coaching record. I think in terms of what he's doing, that should be lauded, and he is getting that, which he deserves. But if they're talking about, oh, how has he not got a job? He did such a great job. I don't think so. He's sab- he, To me, he didn't want to, uh, which is fine. You don't want him. You don't want him. He Pretty much everything he could to, to sabotage this guy's career, in my opinion. I'm a big Tua guy. I love him. I know you love him as well. But just, you know, even from an objective standpoint, to me, he did everything he could to make him not successful. And obviously, he didn't get along with the owner. He didn't get along with his GM. You know, it is what it is. But, like, how great of a job did he do? You know what I mean? To have back-to-back winning seasons and you're still under 500, I don't know what to say. And they underachieved this year. They did. You know, their defense was they were their their defense kind of stunk this year until they during that seven game losing streak for sure. Then they turned it around like they light switch. He seems to kind of be the uh similar to um what Cliff Kingsbury's teams do where they start hot and then they stink. His teams stink and they and then they get hot, but it's too late. You feel me? So he's like the opposite of Cliff Kingsbury in terms of what he does. He does the other way around. So all that to say. Brian Flores, like, I'm very disappointed. You can't talk, don't talk about it, be about it. Don't talk about you're standing for something and then hate on somebody who gets the job because they're a better candidate than you. And believe me, there were a lot of better candidates than you who didn't even get interviews. You know, I won't name them all, but I'll name a couple here, but we'll talk about it next week in terms of guys who should have got hired. The one name I will say, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, just the one name, if I can only pick one, I will say Marvin Lewis. I think his record speaks for himself despite not winning a playoff game. We've talked about that. Last time the Bengals were good before now, Marvin Lewis, he was there for a long time for a reason, right? And uh, from the offensive side of the ball, there's two, I could say, if you want to go younger, Byron Leftwich. If you want to go experienced, seasoned vet type of coach, Jim Caldwell. So I'm sorry to tell you, those guys and a lot of other guys too are more deserving of that job than you. 
I don't know why you have this huge ego of yourself. It's great to be confident in yourself, but you know, let's let's keep it real and call it what it is. So, Brian Flores, you're my slime ball of the week. I'm, I'm, I commend you for what you're doing in terms of uh, promoting justice, but at the same time, you're kind of you're kind of impeding your own progress by saying moronic things like you did just to keep it real. So yeah, homie, what are your thoughts about that uh, before we close out the segment? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, if 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 you are truly, if your mission, if your goal is truly to see more black coaches hired, the message coming from your agent should be, congratulations to Lovey Smith. We're ecstatic that he was hired for this job. That should be it. But instead, we got one sentence congratulating Lovey Smith and a way more accomplished coach than you are. <laughs> Let's be honest. And then two paragraphs about why you thought you should have had the job not about why you thought you should have the job but that you thought you should have the job there's nothing you can point to that you've done better than lovey smith in your career so i you know i i get it like they, they i think there are other coaches maybe you could make that argument with like you know eberflus or some of these other you know white coaches were hired but you're thrown the the only black coach hired in this cycle under the bus like, what are you doing? And so it clearly, this clearly is not only about justice, right? And and equality. Because if so, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't be saying anything except congratulations, Lovey Smith. You would be, this was clearly about ego for him. He knew he was a finalist for the job. He knew he lost the job to Lovey Smith. And he's, and it was his last kind of reasonable chance at a head coaching job. He hadn't been hired by the other teams. And like, you know, it wasn't just the Texans who didn't choose you. It was all of those other teams, right? And you can say it's it's racial inequity and you might have a point in some cases, but also time to look in the mirror. And, you know, maybe it's the fact that you literally burned all of the bridges with the Miami Dolphins. You alienated your GM, you alienated your owner, you alienated your star quarterback. Those are the three people, if you're a head coach in the NFL, and, and maybe saying two as a star quarterback, but your rookie quarterback taken with the number five pick. Those are the three people as a head coach you don't want to alienate. Those are the three people you need to have the strongest relationships with. And you didn't. So I agree with you, homie. I thought that that was asinine. Congratulate Lovey Smith. And that's it. That's all that should be coming out of your mouth. Um, so yeah, I, I feel you. Um but yeah, that's that's gonna be our our slime balls of the week. Um, we'll we'll certainly be back with more, and we'll be back with um, some coach talk about the coaching hires. We'll talk about the All Star game a bit more, and then we'll talk about uh, the NBA trade deadline. But it's been good chatting, uh, uh, pigskin and hoops with you today, homie. Uh, any any final thoughts for the listeners? No, I mean, we got to thank you for listening. We appreciate you as always. It means a lot to us. And um, it's going to be, uh, it'll be, we got another uh, packed show next week. We got a lot of, lot of things it's not to tackle. So it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully you check us out. If you're interested in listening to it, we'd appreciate it. And um, also just enjoy, everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Be safe, have fun, enjoy the game, no matter who you're rooting for. Hopefully, no matter what happens, you can, get some sort of enjoyment out of it. So we hope that you all have a great time with that. It is Super Bowl week. And if you're a football fan, or even if you just like the halftime show, 
we hope you enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good show, homie. Uh, hope you uh, enjoy some hoops this week. Maybe we'll see some tasty trade deadline stuff. We'll, of course, both enjoy the Super Bowl. But, yeah, have a good night. And uh, thanks, listeners out there. Hope you all hope you all take care. Yeah, I appreciate you, my guy. It's always fun to you know talk about what we love. And to the listeners, we appreciate you. And we will talk to you next time. All right. Peace out.